Ciao ragazzi, welcome to another edition of Serie A Town World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, hopefully everyone in the in the atmosphere here can hear me because the other day I tried to do one of these things and it didn't work out so well. But anyway, enough about me, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I think that we we, we had this to, to do this tonight because I didn't have much of a voice on Sunday. Uh, I kind of lost it on Saturday. It happened to be a particularly important game on the peninsula that I lost it over, kind of. So <laughs> my wife was working, and then she comes home and she hears my voice, and she's like, you were shouting during the game, weren't you? And I said, of course I was. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just, it was an exciting game. Yeah. So, I mean, and now I've got it back a little bit, so so we're good to go. I, I have a... Uh, you know, and I've always celebrated a Derby win coming on the show, wanting to do some kind of a bourbon mixer. So feel not, fear not, I have got that going. It's it's in here, so it's just a little bit belated. So I wanted to go with a serious sit-down theme color, so I went with a Stella tonight. You got the you know the Italian colors, so it works out. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Aren't you supposed to pour that into a glass? Yeah, but I got something else in another glass, so you know I got lots <laughs> of drinks here tonight. Double fisting. Wow, wow, you're uh, you're pounding away, huh? Yeah. So. Oh man, it was a it was a big weekend. We had a big day today with Champions League with Milan and Juventus making yeah. their first games. We have so much to cover today, guys. Uh, we're gonna take a recap of match everything that happened in match week five. Uh, you know the derby obviously being front and center with that, but two other big games. City I did a wonderful job with scheduling, giving us yeah. Fiorentina, Juventus, uh, the derby, and then giving us Lazio, Napoli. So again, six of the uh, mag. Magnificent eight, elite eight, eight sisters in action, <laughs> um, playing against each other. And uh, by the way, I don't mind a good Stella. So yeah, it, George is right down there. So, um, you know, some other interesting uh, results that happened. Uh, you know, probably the shock of the season happened uh, on Sunday. Um, yeah, but knowing how high you are on Udinese, you probably expected that. So <laughs> not quite that. Not pro- not quite that. Okay, no. so. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll go through all of that. Uh, and, uh, you know, a little later on, we'll uh, give our thoughts on what we saw out of Milan's draw at Salzburg, out of Juve's defeat to Petty Saint-Germain, what we can look forward to tomorrow when Inter go to Bayern. If you ask any Inter supporter, they're going to tell you that they'll be happy to get out of there, not conceding eight. Um, you know, and then, uh, Napoli is taking on Liverpool. Is that at the Maradona or is that at Anfield? At the Maradona. It is at the Maradona. Okay. Yeah, so there are some who and Couch Twitter nominees based off Liverpool's comments on that, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we will get to that. Uh, and of course, the world's most popular hashtag game, who and Couch Twitter. Plus, Richard and I have given our final predictions um, for the Serie A table. And uh, Richard came up with a really uh, good graphic to show uh, where we are in agreement. And, and there are a number of teams where we differ greatly and we'll have a good conversation about that as well. So, and try to uh, hit you with where we're coming from on each of those. I put out a big thread, went team by team, um, gave my explanation for why I put them where they are. uh, And then, uh, you know, going from there, I'll give you a caveat. I'll give you the caveat here. 
that I did put at the end of that thread, and you can go check it out at FTC underscore 21. It's pinned. Uh, but at the end, I did say, uh, if you have a different order of how the top eight finishes, I'm not going to fight you on it because I think they're all very, very close. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also everything, just about everything is going to come down to match week 38. I don't think there's anything that's going to be comfortably left with two weeks to spare. No. Um, you know, I think that 19th and 20th will probably be known and figured out as we go. Uh, but the fight for 18th, 17th, 16th, 15th is intriguing. The fight for the European places is, in, is, is intriguing. The fight for top four and who wins the Scudetto, very, very intriguing, as you guys all know. So, yeah. um, you know, much to unpack. But, Richard, let's start with that. Uh, da- let's start with the Derby. All right. And uh, Derby della Madonnina that took place on Saturday. Milan, uh, this is the f- – I can't remember the last time Milan have won back-to-back – uh, been a while. It's Milan been a while Darby's, sure. um, but they win against Inter three um, two. You, we, we've talked about these big games, um, haven't we? And we've talked about how managers, you know, now that they have five substitutions and have a little bit more freedom with making adjustments, um, can uh, you know can 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 start a certain way and make their adjustments. And usually, you'll see in a big game if one team thinks the other team might put out a lineup that will dictate things that they might put a lineup out that reacts to that, you know, and saves maybe some of their creative players for the last 30 minutes, last 15 minutes when guys have been out there for an extended period of time, um, fresh legs that can run at tired legs, things like that. We've seen that a lot. Yeah. Uh, instead of the other season, we have made that a big, big point of emphasis. Uh, were you surprised to see both lineups coming out really with, their tens and with good intentions. No, not really. I think, I mean, kind of mostly from Milan's side, I expected Inter to come out the way they did. I, I thought Milan would do some kind of, we, I think we talked about this last week, come out with some variation of what we saw last year when they had Kessie played in an unfamiliar role. We thought maybe Krunic or somebody would play out of position, but no, Milan with their best 10 or best 11, excuse me. And it was great to see. I mean, this is, I mean, we, we talked about this with many Interisti in the past that, you know, before managers, you know, before Pioli and Conte and even and Inzaghi, the managers at their respective clubs kind of played scared, especially the Milan managers seem like. I mean, yeah. It was very tentative, very conservative. And the last couple of years of the derbies has been excellent. This was an excellent game. And so I was yeah. excited to see both teams bring out their guns and say, let's see what you got. And you knew that there was going to be animosity. It always is there whenever Teo Hernandez is involved. Uh, and you just love to see that in derbies from the opening get sure. Yeah, uh, and it was nice to see that. It was nice to see both teams put out what I think we felt was their best possible um, yep. lineups, uh, yep. you know, for this match. So, uh, you know, Deketelada getting his first getting his first opportunity in a derby. Um, you know, I think that the one the one question that you can ask of Milan is, you know, is it Messias or is it Salamakers? How do you want to, what do you want to play with from the start? And we, we talked about the contrast between those two players. Messias is a, you know, kind of looked at as the attacker, kind of looked at as the technical guy that can keep a ball, that can, you know, that can set some things up, that can create, that can potentially create some things, even though his form hasn't been the greatest to start this season, you know, where Salamakers is kind of the, you know, drop back cover guy. Um, although, uh, he wasn't today. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, by the way, we, we need, I think we need to dedicate this podcast to uh, Alexis Salamakers and all Salsicha of the bad maker. things that, 
all of the bad things that Milan Twitter have said about him through the years for uh, scoring. And he almost nearly screwed that up because he took yeah. the extra touch. Yeah. And when he did that, I thought, oh God, this is lost. But then he found a way to, he found a way to finish it. But anyway, um, uh, you know, so that's the, and Pioli goes with the aggressive approach of playing Macias right from the start. And, um, you know, and Macias in this game, eh, meh, I mean, wasn't good, wasn't bad, you know, you know, probably wouldn't have known he was even out there unless the announcer called, unless Dre called his name, um, you know, so, so that was about it. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think that to see both of these teams put out their best teams and, and have a good go at each other was, was exciting to see. And it set, it set the tone for an exciting game. It was very well. well did but, you see what the what actually set the tone? Well, for obviously the first Totifos were were magnificent, but they always are. In the handshake, Hakan decided not to shake the hand of Teo Hernandez, and Teo Hernandez yeah. smacked him in the back of the head. So it started yep. right there, and you yeah. knew it was going to be an awesome game when you saw that happen. Yep. And then you had the double yellow between Teo and Denzel. They renewed their acquaintances. They <laughs> really didn't quick. Take, that didn't that didn't take long. <laughs> um, Is there any so, better agitator in the league than Teo Hernandez at the moment? And aren't know. you glad we have him? I mean, if he was against him, I would hate him. If oh, if he was if he was playing for anybody else, I would hate yeah. him. And and, oh, yeah. and 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 you see people and you see Calcio Twitter coming out from other fan bases are saying that Taylor Hernandez is a stain on this league, and I hate him, and all this other stuff. It's just yeah. but if he was on their team, they'd be like, we love him, da da da, you know. So yeah, yeah, he's ours. <laughs> he's all ours. <laughs> so oh man, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, the goal that opened this up. Beautiful. First of all, I, the funny thing about this, this game ended 3-2. And all five of these goals could have been avoided. <laughs> you yeah. know, when you when you really, you know, that's the deep dive that I come away with. And we're getting the last word on this, Darby. Everybody else has had their podcast and has had, had their say on this game. But all five goals could have been avoided. And I'll start with the first one with Brozovic. Okay. Matteo Benetti, excellent point. Yes, it's outstanding hold-up play from Lataro Martinez because Kalulu is all over him. I mean, he is harassing the hell out of him, trying to trying to fight him, fight him for the ball and, and things like that. And 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 Martinez does an outstanding job. And maybe that is becoming a part of his play that's getting a little bit overlooked and maybe a little bit underrated. Um, I you know we 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 always look at him as the guy that gets the benefit off of the guy that you look to be the hold up striker but in this case with him and Correa up front he has to play that role um so you got Kalulu harassing him Tomori had made an initial challenge in a higher position and lost and the ball got to Martinez uh with Kalulu defending him okay so here's 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 from the Milan perspective. Here's the problem I have with the goal because I thought the, the the combination by Inter was excellent. The defending from Milan was poor, and I'll I'll, I'll get into why. Um, you have nobody giving Kalulu cover behind him. Okay, that needs to be Tomori's job. Tomori takes a chance. Tomori takes a chance to go higher and try to win a challenge and loses it. His immediate move needs to be. Uh, needs to be getting back and getting back and supporting Kalulu. Instead, he's in a position where a midfielder should be to Hamza's point. Okay. Hoping that maybe Kalulu wins it and then he can take the ball off of it and turn and start the attack. That's not Tomori's job. Tomori's job is to provide, provide cover. I can put Teo at fault for some of this too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's standing next to Dumfries, probably still talking to him after the double yellow. <laughs> 
you tell you in that moment, if you guys can visualize what happened on the goal and the guys in the chat, I'm sure you can, you're smart people. You've watched, you watch, you watch enough football to know. Um, Teo in that moment has a responsibility to get away from Den- Denzel Dumfries, pinch more centrally, put himself in a position where he can not only support Kalulu, but he can also still see Dumfries. We, talk, we call that you know, using your peripheral vision. Okay, Know that he's still there, have an eye on where he is, but be in a position where you can, where you can back things up. And if Teo is in that position, that he, he cuts out that through pass. You know, so you can put him at fault a little bit for – getting way too worried about Denzel Dumfries there, be where he drops in drops centrally. There's no chance Lotaro can turn and get the ball over to Dumfries. And if even if he does, Teo can see it and it's predictable from where he is. So um so a lot of players out of position on that goal and not recovering properly. And I think uh, the Catalare could have done a lot better backtracking. He was a little bit lazy coming back. And by the time he realized what was going on, Brozovic was long gone. And he just kind of like charted his way back. I mean, a lot yeah, of but that could have been I better. think has to be either Benacer or Tonali. Um, truthfully, I think that's got to be something where, okay, yeah, if you want to man mark everybody all over the pitch, naturally, when you take a look at the formations, the Catalare should man mark Brozovic. But I think. If you're trying to have some positioning and you want to maybe have De Ketelari being a first guy out that you play to, then he has to, you know, he passes off to Brozovic and then the double pivot has to understand that Brozovic is coming and one of them has to pick him up. So Hamza's point, Teo's still still not a good reader of the game defensively. Yep. And that's just it. It's a positioning issue from Teo. It's a... I think that it was Tomori's over-reliance on thinking that Kalulu was going to win that battle with Martinez and be in a position to get the ball when really he should have just backed him up and let Benacer be in that spot or even Tonali. Yeah. Uh, you know, so a lot going on there defensively with Milan that just did not look good. Uh, but you give credit to a good team for taking advantage of that, and it is a wonderful con- con- uh, combination, uh, Lotaro uh, to Korea to feeding Brozovic through. Uh, and they, they took advantage and they pounced and enters up one nil. Yeah. Yeah. Great way to start the game. I, I think that hold up play by Lataro was so massively underrated because one, he's a little guy and he's holding off clue. Who's not, you know, not a, a guy you can just push around easily. Uh, and he held it up wonderfully in traffic, got it over to Korea who smartly found Brozovic on the breakaway there. And like you said, poor marking by Milan all the way around, but you know, great way. He still had to finish the ball, right? You had Magnon coming out at mm. you, and Brozovic, cool, calm, collected. He's a big game player against Milan, always. He's always a world-class player against Milan and average against everybody else. Not average. He's a little better than average. But, uh, yeah, great way to get the goal scoring started early. I think the Derby needed that. I think um, it woke up Milan. Not that Milan were playing bad to start the game, but it kind of woke them up and be like, you got punch in the mouth. Let's go. If you want to play, yep. let's go. And yep. I think it worked perfectly for Milan after that. Yeah. Are we getting we, – we touched on this last week talking about Milan or, or, or maybe the, the, the week before. Are we getting worried – should Milan supporters be worried about this team's collective tendency to react instead of act defensively? Okay, because I, I, I'm a believer that when you react, you're – when you react, you're – you're late, okay, yep. and you're putting your team in trouble. Um, and I think that in the case of, of Kalulu and Tamori, who just have a ton of pace and can recover to anything, same with Tao, that they can get. They think that there's games and teams that they play against where they can get away with it. 
But if it becomes too much of a habit, better teams are going to punish them for it. And should Milan supporters be concerned? If it doesn't get corrected, it's still early in the season. So I'm not worried about it just yet. We look maybe 10 more games into the season. Are they still doing it? Then maybe I'll start to worry. My bigger worry for Milan and Inter learned this after Milan gave him the game back after the 60th minute is that attack the right wing side. You know, Messias doesn't defend as well. Calabria, if you put a lot of pressure on him, he can be had down the right wing side and then leaves the, the cross available open. Salzburg did it tonight as well. That's more worrying to me that Milan can't figure that out. The left side is pretty solid. The right side defensively is the bigger worry for me than the, the, I mean, the last of the judgment are obviously worrying, but I'm not worried about it just yet. I'm more worried about that right wing side right now. Okay. I'm worried about that. Now the inter game. And when I looked at it, I was like, Calabria is tired. Sure. You know, he, he ran his socks off. Um, and then just doesn't have the energy to to deal with combinations getting around him, and they exploited a two v one. And somehow Salamakers wasn't in a position. Actually, was Salamakers was not in the game at that point. Messias was still in the game. Correct. Because I think after that goal happened, I tweeted. I said this game needs Salamakers, and they need him now. Um. So. Um. And then here in the in the Salzburg match, yeah, Okafor roasted him. He roasted Kalulu on the goal, <laughs> but. Um, Okafor went to school on Calabria. Uh, can we can we sign him and put him on the right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so, got, got moves um, like uh, Leao. What can we what can Milan get him for? Um, <laughs> a lot. But anyway, so so there's that. The other thing that I made note of at the very beginning of the game, Brozovic had a chance from the top of the box. The other concern is is the if you're playing Milan and you're preparing for Milan. I would be doing training sessions where I am drilling the cutback run and hitting the cutback run. Brozovic had a great chance very early before he scored yeah. the goal. Yeah. And it's because Tonali will prefer to help double any any forward that's running to this to the near six. Tonali's gonna run and help the defender that's that's dealing with that instead of staying in a position at the top of the box. He did it against Atalanta, and what happened? Malinovsky was open at the top, mm-hmm. and he finished. Okay, who in this, you know, who will Milan see this season that have midfielders that can score on those cutback runs? Lazio with, with Sergei and probably Luis Alberto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Napoli with their midfielders, um, Pietro Zielinski in particular. Um, and and Kvara scored from a cutback. Mm-hmm. Uh Against not against Lazio on the weekend, um, Juve, you don't think, but McKenny is a box hunter, and and will find a way, you know. So there there are midfielders in this league that can score goals from those runs, and Milan have to figure out how to deal with that, and they've got to they've got to defend that better. I think that when I look at Milan in terms of their defending right now. I think that those are the areas your point about Calabria on the right side, but also some of those, some of those cutback runs. I think that that's where they're most vulnerable right now. So, but what they do well is they press. And what do you do against Inter if you want to beat them? You press them. You yeah. press them into mistakes. And what happened? And, and not necessarily. And on the equalizing goal, I don't know if there wasn't a really a whole lot of heavy pressing going on by Milan. Um, Chelinolu just made a bad pass. Um, great assist. What are you talking about? Great assist. <laughs> Secondary assist. Yeah. 
hockey assist, right? That's right. Uh, but it was a it was great positioning from Tonali. He jumps on it. He finds Leal scores one one. Um, uh, and it was just what did what did Milan do? They just went to work on Skriniar in this yeah. game. Um, Dumfries is not what we're learning about Dumfries is that he's not quite the defender that they've probably had. If you put Darmian on the right, I think he's there to maybe give a little bit of help. I was surprised that Inzaghi went with Darmian to start on the left, given the fact that there's just not a whole lot of activity going on there. I would have thought that he started on the right. Dumfries is a change of pace coming off the bench. And then you start DeMarco maybe as a left wing back. Um, something's going on with Gozens that they don't get along and Gozens almost left the club. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I wonder if Denzel was in there because we knew the animosity between him and Teo. And that the hope was that you get Teo off his game, get him and get a red card early, yellow, put in yellow card trouble and yep. inter can dictate that. And it went, it was the opposite. Almost it, Teo, Teo is unique in that regards. Like when he, he loves going head to head. He loves to have those rivalries Sure. But when, there's there's times when he goes over the top and loses his, his where his responsibilities, and other times like the derby where he plays it to perfection, gets under the skin and keeps playing his game. That's what you yeah. want to see. He doesn't always have that, but you know, Inter, I think we're hoping for the former and try to get him off his game, which didn't work unfortunately for them. Sure. So, I mean, Milan just went to town though on Skriniar, on on De Vrij, um, and Bastoni, and, yeah. and Bastoni. I mean, they just uh, and in particular they know. I think once they figured out that Dumfries wasn't providing the support, they just they just went at Skriniar. Yeah, poor um, guy. yeah, and uh, they take the quick throw into the beginning of the second half, and I don't know what in the world Inter were. They just completely caught napping. Uh, Giroud just backs away from all of the defenders, gets a spot. They find him, he scores two uh, one. Milan take the lead, and then just shortly after that. Uh, a goal of the week candidate for me, mainly because of the flick on by yeah. uh, Giroud. Yeah. <laughs> but Leao just danced. I mean, I, I don't even think it was even that fa- He didn't even go that fast. No. Um, it wasn't like a Ronaldinho-type faint, you know? It was just like a quick change of pace and beat three guys and put it back past Andonovic, So, And all I can think of, I mean, it's a goal for Leao. It makes it 3-1 for Milan. But all I can think of is Skriniar, I think, counted on having some cover. Yeah, he, and, and Devray was, was flat with him. He wasn't on an angle where he could help him. And so he gets past Skriniar. Once he does that, he's gone. Goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, so there were, I mean, all of these goals, makes my point, all of these goals could have all been avoided. Huh. There was some very poor defending going on in this game. And then in Inter's goal, Calabria doesn't have the support from Messias gets danced around and Darmian should not be beating and getting behind Calabria. I mean, we get, <laughs> get Calabria is probably not pacey as a fullback, but he works his tail side off and Darmian's not a guy that should be getting behind him, but he does uh, gets the yeah. cross. And then Jekyll beats Tamori to the, yeah. to the point of the ball and finishes three, uh, two game on. And then that's when it dawns on Pioli. I've, I've got to get Salamakers out there. I've got to, and then I think the other smart substitution was bringing on Kiar and moving yes. Kalulu over to the right. Absolutely. You know, to help kind of diffuse the threat from the, from the wide areas. Um, and then after that, it was, there wasn't a whole lot of, there was a whole, wasn't a whole lot of event and Milan would go on and win the match three, two. Um, I've said a mouthful. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. What were your observations from the game? I think overall, 
the right result because I thought Milan were all over Inter for large stretches of this game. It's been against boys for majority of the game. Right. Um, I thought that um, in Insagi, I don't Insagi didn't pre- prepare this match particularly well, but I think what's happening with Inter right now is that they've got some players that are getting exposed and you, you talk, you see some guys on inter Twitter and you know, you know exactly where they're going. They're kind of having to go at screen here. They're more so having a go at Stefan de Vrij. De Vrij is, he's, you know, I, I don't know what his age is, his actual natural age is, but I think in footballing years, he's 50 because he's played so much. Well, how old um, do you think a, a Cherby is? He's got to be 60 then. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and some of these guys are just just getting blown past now. So, but uh, let me give let me I'll, I'll I'll sit back, take a minute, and, and give me your observations from what you saw in the derby. Uh, so I think the game started out well for both teams. I think Milan started very strong. Um, Inter looked like they were playing for the counter, and it was kind of fitting them perfectly. Obviously, the goal happened on the on the counter attack. You know, well done by them. We talked about that. Milan responded as champions do, right? You get punched in the mouth, and you just go right at them. And I think after that first goal by Leao, um, it was men against boys. It really was. And I think, you know, Milan got the second goal, got the third goal. Kind of what Anthony's talking about in the chat is that this game should never have been close to the beginning. Milan should have had a killer instinct, which it did not have. They weren't like Udinese. Udinese had that killer instinct against Roma, right? Milan didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And at 3-1, they should have kept attacking, should have made it one of those 6 nothing games we saw in the past. Um, kept putting goal. They could have had two more goals easily in this game if they kept it on the on the on the front on front foot, and they didn't. Uh, and what we saw was, you know, you give that chance for Inter, as Jacko scores a nice goal, um, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, here it comes, here it comes. And though I think Milan were pretty comfortable, Magnon had to make two fantastic saves towards the end of the game, and it was they made it unnecessarily tight. It should have never been that, and that's probably on Pioli, on the players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see, and, and and I and I think Hamza mentioned that you know, in the league, it's not really a big deal. But I think it's important for the the big picture that you want to have killer instinct no matter what. And so whether you do it in the league, Champions League, Coppa Italia, whatever, you need to have that killer instinct. The best teams have that. I mean, Real Madrid has that, right? We saw that in Champions League last year. Um, so we I think saw it Milan, today. We saw it today. Um, yeah. So we, I want to see that from Milan. And it should never have been that close. 3-2 was a flattering scoreline for Inter. I thought Milan have obviously some issues to fix. Inter have a lot of issues to fix. I think the back three, the worst game they had as a collective for Inter. Skriniar, De Vrij, and Bastoni looked all terrible. De Vrij was probably the worst. Skriniar, like you said, had no help. De Vrij couldn't read the game for his life, depending on it. And Bastoni was just watching things. Um, no help from that midfield from Inter as well. Chalanolu, Barella just standing around. Brozovic not doing much. Um, at the end, towards um, good parts of that game, honestly. I mean, that goal that Giroud scored, you had five, six interplayers just standing there. Leal yep. moving around, doing what he wants. Nobody, nobody pressures him. Giroud in the box, three guys around him, not even close to him. Gives him he shouldn't be shooting that. Um, so lots of mistakes. I agree with you, but I thought this was a fantastic derby. Had a lot of emotion, lots of guys going at each other. You know, you saw Leao going at it with uh, uh, who was it, D'Ambrosio, I think. Screen yep. trying to get involved. It was it was feisty. It yep, was, I loved it from the beginning to the end. The tifos were great. Uh, good display of calcio, I think overall. I think the neutral would have loved that game. I'm sure they did. Um, but both teams were far from perfect, though. I thought Milan 
could have made this game a blowout and they blew a chance because this would have been uh, really giving Inzaghi questions or, or management questions towards Inzaghi. Uh, not that they don't have it right now, but uh, Pioli got that pretty perfect for the first 60 minutes or so. Yeah, and they just didn't have enough separation from Inter on the scoreline to go with it. So, yeah, um, Hamza says Benacer and Tonali, very good. They were fantastic. Sandro Tonali is Italy's best midfielder. And Benacer, I've never seen a shiftier motherfucker. Yeah, Tonali is fantastic. Right now, Sandro Tonali is Italy's best midfielder. I mean, and with all due respect to Marco, who was trying to make the case for Lorenzo Pellegrini a few weeks ago, and I don't think it was a ridiculous take. No. Um, I, I just... Sandro Tonali is technique, chance creation. He's got some goal scoring, and boy, he can he can get stuck in. He's combative. I mean, he's He's he is Italy's most complete midfielder right now. Okay, there are flaws in Jorginho's game right now. There are flaws. There are some flaws in Verratti's game, Um, and and Barella. Speaking of a, a miserable player in this derby, Barella was miserable in this derby. After coming off looking like a world beater against Cremonese, he follows it up. I thought he was one of the worst players on the pitch. Um, so, uh, you know, so I think that Sandro Tonelli is right now Italy's best midfielder. And I don't, and that is not my Milan bias talking. That is observing all of these guys playing right now. Yeah. Um, and to Fuji's and Funyan's point, yeah, Tonali's not even 100% healthy. He came back early from his injury, so he's still trying to get his legs under him a little bit too. And I, and I think Benacer is a perfect complement to him. I, I think he is the most shiftiest player, at least in the league, and that's that's comparing him to Leao. I think Leao is DeVry compared to Benacer. Benacer has so many moves, evades defenders like it's his job. Uh, and then finds the right pass every time. He's just hard to you know get the ball away from. He makes perfect tackles almost every time. They're playing together so well, and it's helping the defense and the attack with both of them yep. the way they're doing it. So, you know, all he needs is Catalare to just pick up his game a little bit more. And my goodness, Hamza saying Tonali's passing is inconsistent. Okay, when he's asked to help his team keep the ball, yes, it's, he's he's fine. I think what you're looking for is okay. The best deep lying passer I've ever watched was Andrea Pirlo. Okay. And I'll even maybe even argue. Not even Albertini? I'll, that's exactly it. I'll, I might even argue that Demetrio Albertini was better, um, you know, from the deep, from a deep lying midfield position. So some of those high risk passes that Tenali will make, I think that's what you're talking about. But where they lose the ball with his passing, does he put them in trouble? That's my question to you. Not this year. No, he doesn't. So Last year, for sure. Ricardo Montalivo, whenever he wanted to try to pass the ball forward, he put his team in trouble because he didn't know how to do it. Ricardo Montalivo could pass the ball five yards square, five yards backwards, just as good as anybody else in the world. But, I mean, <laughs> my 10-year-old son can pass the ball five yards square and five yards back sometimes. But <laughs> not as – not as good as I'd like it to be for a 10 year old. Um, but you know, so, but when you're talking about those, those big cutting passes that you saw Pirlo do, you saw Albertini do in his career, 
Yes, sometimes he hits them, sometimes he doesn't. But when he doesn't, are Milan really in trouble when he misses? No. Yeah. So but he could certainly improve. He's not at the top of his game just yet. And so he has room for growth, which is scary for everybody else, right? But and then, and, 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 and then Hamza, I, you're talking about pass accuracy in the late 80s, 983. What does that actual mix entail? Let's break down how many, what, what, what are those passes? Okay. If his safe passing decisions are in the, his safe passing decisions might all be in the in the nineties, mid to high nineties, okay. And his risk passes, the longer passes, all right, probably in the six, you know, high sixties, low to mid seventies. I can live with that, okay. I can live with that. Last year he lost possession thirteen times, all of last season. That's pretty damn impressive. If that's I case. have a hard time buying that. I, That'd be pretty impressive. Show, he was, tell me where you got those. T- tell me where you got that stat. Um, because um, I'd like to look that up. Um, while we're while we're gushing over Milan and deservedly so, uh, questions for Inter outside of Inzaghi. Why the hell is Handanovic still the goalkeeper there? I, I not Onana. As soon as he was signed, he should have been the goalkeeper, my opinion. And then you know, I think I think Hans is the one who brought it up, who said that um. DeMarco, why didn't he start this game, right? We we know why maybe Gosens didn't start the game, but why why isn't DeMarco starting the game? That would have been uh, my correction if I was in Zaghi. Darmian would have started over Dumfries, and 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 DeMarco would have started the left wing back. Yeah, why do Darmian is the better is probably the best defender out of your wing backs, and knowing what Milan bring down that left hand side, you know, I would have guarded against it. Um, you know, but I think he took the chance of trying to play. Dumfries higher in hopes that he could pin Teo back, which I think had some effect. Um, I'm just saying 13 times per game. Ooh, thank God. Because I was like, <laughs> 13 times an entire season, he should be a Ballon d'Or finalist. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, do you think, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer, do you think Lukaku would have made a difference in this game? Yes. Yes, you do. Would. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Martinez is, and while he was wonderful on the hold up on the one goal, he's not the hold up player that Lukaku is. Sure. Okay, let me let me backtrack. Current Lukaku Lukaku. needs to get his legs under him. Probably not. You know, but a fit Lukaku. Lukaku um, from two years ago, one hundred percent effective. Yes, but he's not that guy. You know, we yeah, and that's where I you know. I think Inter's counting on him to to bring it back. So I'm with you on the goalkeeper. Onana should be starting. I mean, yeah. you brought him you brought him in for a reason, and at some point you're going to have to take the toy away from Andanovic. And I don't know if you can really blame him for any of the goals, you know. But it's an ECR, but I agree, you shouldn't. Three goals to Milan, three goals to Lazio, a late goal to Cremonese probably tells you. You know, a goal against Lecce, have they kept a clean sheet? Spezia, they, you know, which anybody can keep a clean sheet against them when they try. Um, Except for Milan. (laughs) Well, Milan got screwed uh, (laughs) when they last played them. Let's see this year. But my point on Handanovic is it's not, okay, the goals might not be his fault, but does he command the respect of the outfield players in front of him anymore? That's a big thing with goalkeepers. Yeah. So, um, and maybe they don't, you know, have the respect for him. And maybe they're, you probably, if you throw Anana back there, I'd like to see if that 
puts a jolt in that back three and puts a jolt in some of these players and motivates them. Yeah. So and I think Inzaghi needs to help out that back three. They defensively, I know they want to play offensive style, but when you play these bigger teams, you kind of have to adjust and be better defensively. They just were too sloppy in this game and the game against Lazio. So he needs to figure it out quick. Good way to test it out is against Bayern. But uh yeah, that's pretty porous defense at the moment all the way around and they need help. Um, but I I still think it's a blip in the radar for them. I I'm not taking them out of my, you know, top four by any stretch. All right. Well, if there's a fan base that should be more aggravated than Inters and is more aggravated than Inters, it's Juventus's <laughs> um, or Juve's. 1-1 against Fiorentina. Uh, Milik scores a goal with his abs. Uh, makes it 1-0. Allegri says, this is fine. We'll take this. <laughs> Let's go home. <laughs> and, and try to get out of here 1-0 because you knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Oddly enough, Fiorentina's goal had to come on a Juve off of uh, countering a Juve corner uh, yeah. with with the Kwame finish. Um, why is George celebrating Milik? Did Milik never played for Calgary? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he doesn't have a team in the league anymore. He's got to celebrate anybody, okay? Yeah, I think he's just. I think George is just going to come in the chat and just randomly put people's names in. <laughs> so. Um, but it's what you expect from a Juve game, especially when they get an early lead. They'll say, okay, you have the ball and see if you can score on us. And if you can, great. If not, we're going to win one nil. I mean, I, that, I just, I don't know. I would, I'm trying to come up with the right thing to say about what I would do if I was a Juve fan without, without offending people. It's what Uncle Sharma always says. It's terrorism ball. It's, yeah. You know, you're terrorizing your own fan base with the way you play your teams. Um, Fiorentina are by no stretch Bayern Munich or whomever. They're, you know, play your game. Get a chance to go score goals. I mean, once Kwame tied it up 1-1, you thought they would come out of their shell. Juventus yeah. had four shots in the entire game. The goals happened in the first half. Like, what the hell are you doing? It was Fiorentina all game long, and... It's frustrating if you're a Juventus player. I mean, I'm a Juventus fan because I'm like, you're like, what the hell? Like, a team should be somewhat competitive. They look better against PSG, if you want to say they did. I don't know. But, my God, it's like, uh, it's Allegri needs to change his mentality. Not that it doesn't work in the sense that he gets points still. But you don't have the defense that he's that he used to have. And so, a one nothing you don't have that comfort like you did in the past where you could easily shut up shop and, and run away with his win and possibly get a couple more goals out of this. You know, you don't have that anymore. And then once they tie it up, it's like he has no plan B and you're just stuck already playing defensive football. And Fiorentina is going to keep coming after you wave after wave. And, you know, luckily uh, Perrin was there because he had a, obviously a big penalty kick save at the end of the game. But I mean, overall Perrin, uh, I, Allegri just drives me crazy, and I'm not even a Juventus fan, so I can't even imagine how they think right now. I'm, I'm looking at Hamza's point about the about the, the Fiorentina midfielders. I don't have a problem with how Italiano started the game with, with Barak, Amrabat, and Male. I'm still trying to figure out what Male is as a midfielder. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I, there, I think there's just a bunch of things that he does that's just average. 
Um, so Teal is the one I want to watch because he can unlock this offense. I think if he can figure his stuff out, he's 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 extremely fast. Yes, he's technically probably you know he's not as he's not as clean as as, as other wingers in this league. Um, you know when you take a look at it, uh, Hube didn't even have a single shot in the second half. That's pathetic. Yes. What are you telling in a derby? Your, what, in a derby. What message are you sending that you say, all right, we're going to sit back. You guys have, we're going to let them have the ball. I mean, and they can't even, and, and maybe they're practicing for PSG. <laughs> you take that. That could be it. If it was a training game, sure. I get it. But in a derby, you would never do that in a derby. That's my, that's the whole thing is like, you, Fiorentina are a rival for them. You sh- this is embarrassing for the fan base when you, put that kind of performance in a rivalry game champions league be damned but if you're trying to win a scudetto how do you not have your best goal scorer out there at any point in this game i mean last 20 minutes put him in put some pressure on put some pressure on fiorentina you went with milik and vlaovic from the start in the game against psg have a go with it for the last 20 minutes maybe they should have started milik in that one Put some pressure on them. Put some service. Make them make them play. Make them yeah. make them defend you. Um, it's just it's just where it's. I mean, it's 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 mind boggling. I don't know how you can be a Juventus fan right now and 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 not be checking yourself in for therapy. I just seriously, yeah. Like I got so angry at 2010 Italy. With what, how Lippi lined his team up and how they played and the way they played. I'm looking at all these other teams playing progressive, attacking football, and here we are trying to scrape out results and, and can't beat Slovakia. And it was just like, please, 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 don't tell me this is how Lippi wants to end his career. Yeah. I saw those 90s Juventus teams under Lippi. They attacked you. They went at you, man. They were good. Those, those through the Champions League, that, I mean, Zidane... Hell, I've been a Milan a Milan until I die, but I I love that I love Lippi's Juve so much that I have a Juve jersey. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I loved watching them play when they had yeah. uh when they had Robinelli, Viali, and Del Piero up front. Okay, and then when they and then when that had to get shuffled around because Viali went to Chelsea, Robinelli went to Middlesbrough, um, here comes Zidane. Here comes Boxic. And they don't miss a beat. And hell, they were better. Yeah. You could argue they were better in 97 when they lost to Borussia Dortmund than they were in 96 when they beat Ajax and won the Champions League. Yeah, You know, those teams were so good and so fun to watch and so ruthless going forward. And now you got this. You know, you're handcuffing all of these creative players. You know, what does this Moretti kid think, think he's gotten himself into? You know, Quadrado. Uh, Kostic. Um, Kostic came from an Eintracht Frankfurt team that they they just made a habit of scoring goals. Yeah, and that guy playing for Eintracht Frankfurt had ten crosses and five shots before he even got off the bus. Yeah, you know, looked, it's just he looked better against PSG than he did in, a, in that game for sure. Yeah, week in and week out, it's just getting so angry. Blasphemy, Fuji's okay. I was twenty three. All right, twenty two. Was young, <laughs> and the Sony mini disc shirt actually looked kind of cool. And Half I, our chat isn't even twenty two. Come on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. 
It was a different time for me back then. I drank way more than I drink now. <laughs> so now you and Tina are drinking. So yeah. So I mean, what do you do? But at the same time, I mean, I, I you know, and I can't even like with Fiorentina. We talk about Italiano, how we underestimate his tactical acumen. It's like. What do you have to prepare for? You fell behind. Allegri called his guys back and gave you license to go at them. How did you not get to at least two? Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, I wish they had scored more. Dodo had a couple of chances, I and mean, the team had a couple of chances overall. Um, Jovic has got to put that away on the penalty. It, it always infuriates me. I know some goaltender. I mean, Perrin made a great read on the penalty kick, but that should have been a goal. He should have scored. Yeah. You know, And I know the percentage says 50-50 on the on penalty kicks, but infuriates me when the striker misses you know yeah. So. yeah yeah i i mean i'm willing to go so far to say that fiorentino are unlucky not to get the three points here so anthony's 27 so he would not remember the the 90s milan or juve <laughs> squads so nor would he admit it yeah so i remember the milan squads back then being a okay capello got them Capello, you know, okay, Saki obviously was brilliant. Capello continued it for a little while. Yeah. Then it burned out for a little bit, and then it was good for a little while, and then it fell apart under him. Saki tried to come back, and Saki 2.0 sucked. Yeah. Um, Trying to rely on George Weah and stuff, you know, got yep. you so far. Zaccaroni showed up and won it in 98 with Oliver Bierhoff as his striker. And That's right. A guy by the name of Andres Gulilmin Pietro. I remember him. They all, it was Gulli for short. Um, I think that's when Thomas Helbeg was there uh, playing right back. Yeah, Helbeg was the right back back then. That's what I remember about them. So, uh, used to finish 8th and 10th. They did win it under Zaccaroni in 98 because I remember that team. I remember them winning it on the last day. And they were fighting off Sven Goran Eriksson's Lazio uh, to yeah, win that title. I remember. Um, and Milan had to beat Perugia, and Lazio ended up playing to a draw on the last day, and that was all enough for Milan to win the title. Um, so, uh, and then I think Ancelotti, there might have been one more manager in between um, Saccaroni and Ancelotti. Matter of fact, no, there was a couple of them because Terim yeah. was there. Yes, and I think yes, Ancelotti yeah. took over from Terim. Yeah. Yeah, I so, that. Uh, so and Ancelotti was at Juve. He was at Parma, and then he was at Juve, and then he was at Milan. So, um, just trying to show off my history here. History so, or age? No. Um, <laughs> the fans weren't happy with Zaccaroni's Milan. No, they were. They were ordinary, and they won the title. <laughs> so. Yeah. They were ordinary. They played accordingly, and they won the Scudetto. So I'm, I'm with you, Hamza. So, man, I mean, it's it's one of those games where you just you so badly indict Juventus that you really don't you can't make a judgment on Fiorentina on this game. You know, um, I'll tell you what I can make a judgment on is Napoli. This is what I wanted to see from Napoli. Okay, you fall behind, you get hit in the mouth early on. You're on the road. That was the question that I wanted to see answered early on in the season. And it's a Lazio team that I don't have the greatest and warmest feeling about. And my predictions are going to show that. Um, but 
can you go on the road and come from behind and win? And they did. Okay. Uh, entertaining game here at the Olympical, Richard, uh, by the way. 2-1. Uh, Napoli seized this game and really took the game to Lazio, especially after they fell behind in the in that fourth minute on that Zaccagni goal. Yeah. Um, and and I thought they bossed the game from there on out. So that was an example where Fiorentina was invited to boss the game from there on out, didn't take the chances. Napoli was far more ruthless, you know, played with some toughness, you know, and, and, and come out of the Olympico with a win and come out with the three points at the Olympico against Lazio that Inter couldn't come up with the minor details when you're talking about finishing positions. Um, talk about Napoli. Uh, and and I, I thought they were fantastic. And, and 2-1 doesn't do them justice, in my opinion, from this game. No, no. And I think, you know, obviously getting punched in the mouth by Zakanyi and, and Lazio in the four minutes into the game or whatever it was, they had every right to capitulate and, and not do that well, but they came out, they bounced back. Havrashelia uh, and, and Osimhen really trying to dictate things. Peter, uh, Peter Zelensky was all over the place. Obviously, Ngisa and Lobotka doing a lot of magic there in the midfield. Um, what you saw early on was Havrashelia almost doing too much to try to be solo, be like, I'm the guy. And a couple times he missed like Osimhen wide open and a couple other guys he missed wide open. But he also created some things, right? Like he had that wonderful play before the first goal where – uh, gets the ball top of the box, makes a great fake with a, with a great step over or whatever the hell he did. Took a shot, hit the post, ended up leading to a corner kick, I think. Uh, and then Min Jai Kim, a guy that both of us are very high on. You know, everyone's yep. talking about number 77. But Min Jai Kim is a pretty damn good pickup. He's not Koulibaly, but he's a pretty damn good pickup. Uh, and he's fantastic off the set pieces. And again, he showed he got the goal. It barely went over the line, but it doesn't matter. It crosses the line. That's all that matters. Providel did the best he could. Um and as soon as that goal went in, you're like, Napoli's probably winning this game. And uh, they continued the pressure on and on and on. And eventually, Havrashele got the, the game-winning goal. But it, they missed a lot of chances. They missed so many chances in this game. How many posts did they hit? They hit I think I know Osimhen hit a post. Havrashele had a post. Um, they had so many other near opportunities where they just missed the, the outstretched pass or whatever. And this could have been a bigger result, I think, for, for Napoli. So, you know, Lazio considered themselves lucky that it was only 2-1. to one, But... Uh, this Napoli team showed, I think, as Anthony mentioned, Grinta. We weren't yep. sure if they had Grinta. Like you said, how would they do if they go down early on the road? And they showed in this game, say what you want to say about Lazio. Lazio is a, one of the eight sisters. Um, and so beating one of the eight sisters is what we want to see from Lazio yep. or from Napoli. And they did it. Um, and this team is only going to get better. You know, Kavice is is not even at his full potential yet, which is scary. Um We'll see what he does in Champions League. I'm curious to see what he does against Liverpool. But this game, I think, despite the lack of chemistry, and I think there's a lack of chemistry up top with Napoli, I think everything else is pretty good. Obviously, the midfield is very fluid, but that I think Osimhen and, and, and Havica are not quite there yet. And when they get there, look out. And, and you know, we're forgetting about Lozano and Politano on the right-hand side. But once they get that chemistry that, you know, the old, the old guard at Napoli used to have, this will be really fun to watch. Yep. Is this Peter Zielinski's midfield now? Have I? I mean, I've been banging the drum for this guy from the start of the season. Once Fabian Ruiz left, I says, "Okay, Zielinski, your table is ready." And yeah. I thought he turned in another good game here. He is their best midfielder. 
that doesn't say that Angisa and Labotka and Elmas aren't good. They're all very good, but I think it's Peter Zielinski's team to really dictate things. You saw him make a lot of plays, get into the box, assisting. Um, I think he set up that play that Harashelli ended up scoring a goal for the game winner. Um, yep. Had his make making passes all day around the pitch. He's good on set pieces. He needs to take over this midfield, and I think he's finally starting to do it, hopefully. Um, but luckily, he has good partners in Anquisa and Labotka, and you know some of the guys come off the bench. Obviously, the wingers are going to help too, but yeah, this has got to be his team. Eventually, you've taken the torch from Hamshik, and now this is your your midfield. Yeah. And I like to see what he can do, uh, embrace that that pressure, and really take over because he could do some magical things for for Napoli if he does continue to you know take it to the next level. It just astonishes me because early on, when 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 Spalletti started with Napoli, he did not give this kid this guy a chance. Um, or he didn't give him. I mean, certainly didn't give him the run he's getting now. Yeah. So, I'm I'm all on board that I, I think that you know while we talk about Kvara, while we talk about Kim, I'm still going to maintain that Zielinski is been off to a big time start this season and has been a huge part of what Napoli are doing. So uh, really dictate that dictates things and plays in a position that a team that plays Lazio system is going to be really, really uncomfortable dealing with. Okay. I think you have to have, I think your best chance at taking away some of the things that he produces and creates is playing a double pivot against him where you've got Mm -hmm. two guys that you don't double team him, but you can adequately pass him off. If one guy has to leave him and go and give cover to where the ball is, the other guy can deal with where he is. You know, I don't think you can play a 4-3-3 like this until Danilo Cataldi. You're going to have to deal with Zielinski when he has the ball. You know, And I'm curious to see what Liverpool does because I know all the top City teams will be watching this game because can they contain Harashelia? You know, Hamza's mentioning maybe if Gomez starts instead of, you know, uh, TAA, Maybe got a better chance, you know. If you have oh, TAA starts, if TAA starts, Kavara roasts him. Yes, period. Yes, I agree. TAA gives balls away, and he can't defend. And I think if you know Liverpool hold use a double pivot as well on them and shadow that side, they can really take him out of the game and really force somebody else to beat you. Is what you would want. Is it going to be successful? We'll see. Because I mean, yeah. if if Liverpool finds a way to shut him down. The other top teams in the league, you know, they're gonna, it's a copycat world. And, and so they're going to see this and try to do the same thing to slow him down because he's obviously off to a fantastic start. But, you know, we'll see how – if anyone can do it, it's going to be Liverpool, right? And so let's yep. see how they react to him. I fully expect, you know, number 77 to play up to his opponents because uh, mm-hmm. he's done it any t- He's done it for the national team, right? He's done it to his previous stops. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a, f- a fun matchup to watch as a neutral, at least for me, I think. I, this is why I can't trust Lazio. I mean, I think that I don't. I don't think. But Sadi, I don't think there is. I just don't think they're as good as the other seven teams. That's why I have them eighth. Um, I, I think that they can get exploited at the fullback positions. I don't think that they have enough tough tackling midfielders that that, that Sadi can integrate when he has to protect the lead you know, or do things like that, or when things get into a grind, I think that there's a way that Saudi's going to want to do things and the way he's got things situated at Lazio. I just, I, I think they're behind the other seven teams. So. Fair. It's fair. But when, when they can get it to their front three, 
and Zakanye scored this time. Um, Immobile, obviously, we know he's going to score goals. Felipe Anderson does so many things well. Yes. You know, and then when you can get a Sergey and Luis Alberto backing them, or if it's Sergey and another midfielder backing them, yeah, they can have some influence. But when you pin them, I don't think there's enough tackling going on in that midfield. And I don't think there's enough toughness to deal with what's going to be going on going on playing around them. Yeah. So, and I'm with you, Hamza. I think Marcos Antonio should be getting some more playing time. I don't know what's going on with that. At least Provadella is staying in the goal because I think he's not the issue for them. And I think you mentioned Felipe Anderson does so many things well, right? He's obviously really pacey and is very shifting and, and get has a nice shot. But he's also good in the air. He nearly scored a goal against Moret. Moret had to pull one out of his ass to make a save there. It could have been easily 2 2 at that point. Um, so Felipe Anderson, you know, he's come back into the league and back to Lazio and is picked up kind of like where he left off and if not gotten better. And so they still need, to your point, help in that midfield. They need that, yeah. that tackler. And Cataldi, though he's an upgrade, I think, from what Lucas Leva and, and previous guys had, he's still not the answer. And it's obviously the Mercato is closed now. Unless they find someone on their youth team or someone else steps up, maybe they move uh, Marcos Antonio into the defensive midfield. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Lazio need to figure that position out for sure. I think as a – I mean, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic on his own is an excellent midfielder. I think as a collective, oh, yeah. Lazio's midfield is really, really easy to beat, um, which is why I have issues with them. Yeah, and, and their fullbacks. I don't. I still don't think they're better at those spots. So, right. Um, okay, so looking at the rest, let's just go through the scores. Cremonese, nil-nil with Sassuolo. Sassuolo had seven shots on target. Another hero performance. From, another Yeah, another hero performance from Radu. Yeah. Uh, Spezia 2, Bologna 2, brace for Marco Anatovic is probably the uh, highlight in there. Um, Hellas Verona 2. Kanyeri pick, right? No, I, I'm <laughs> starting to regret that now. I have Lukaku. <laughs> Hellas Verona 2, uh, Sabdorio 1, some guy named Doig yeah. <laughs> wins the game for Hellas Verona. Yeah. I watched this guy. It's like, who the hell is that guy? Shock of the week, unless you're Richard Carmen, you're not surprised by this. Udinese <laughs> four, Roman nil. My goodness. Uh, Udoji pounces on Karsdorp trying to chest it back to uh, Rui Patricio, and then it just went all downhill from there. I think Patricio had a couple blunders in this game, if I'm not mistaken, as yeah. well. So. Um, so those were the surprises. And then on Monday, uh, Atalanta, there's a new way of doing Atalanta things. It's defending. Who knew? 2-0. Uh, star in, emerging too? Hoyland? Yeah, yeah they, they just grab guys off the street, tell them that they play forward and they score goals. It's oh just, yeah. it's we insane. I need clarity on what how, how things actually get defined as own goals because Adamo yeah, Lookman, that should have been, that, that, that the, been a goal. the Marlon own goal should have been an Adamo Lookman goal that was on target. Okay. So... And then in the uh, Salernitana Empoli game, they give Lammers his goal on the equalizer. That deflected off of a Salernitana player. So it's like there's no clarity on what gets defined as a goal in an own goal here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, but uh, Pasquale Mazzocchi, real contender for goal of the week, but not my play of the week. But it's going to be up there. We'll talk about it. We'll talk mm. about it in a little bit. But okay. Mazzocchi on that individual solo run, very nice. Uh, Bulai Dia, boy, they got a player on their hands there at uh, at Salernitana. Yeah. He scores. Tony Vilhena, 
uh, providing the help there. Uh, it was Satriano opening the scoring. I think I mentioned that. Sam Lammers with that goal yep. that should have been an own goal. Um, and then Torino winning 1-0 over Lecce uh, through Nikola Vlasic, Vlasic in the 40th minute. Um, complete control there from Torino in that match. So let's unpack these seven games. Richard, where do you want to start? Cremonese Sassuolo, surprisingly entertaining for a 0-0 game. Obviously, it's fun, bad Sassuolo, so there are going to be lots of chances in the game. You mentioned Radu having another good performance. I thought um, Sassuolo had some chances there, but the, you know the keeper keeping them in it. Mihalovic, his swan song of this game, losing to or drawing to Spezia. Um, Is he out? He's out, and they're they're considering Thiago Mota for his replacement. Oh, God. They're confirming the relegation, aren't they? Right. Right. But, I wish uh, I knew that before I did my predictions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not confirmed yet, but definitely Mihalovic is out. It came out today. Now, uh, but the two, way two, I understood it was that they were giving him an opportunity to resign and that he refused. Yeah. Well, they should have got rid of him in the summertime. We talked about this. They, he lost the team oh, sure. last year. You know, um, like Saputo's trying to figure out how to break this cleanly. Yeah. And you can't. It's hard. I'm looking um, at it. I'm I'm trying to look for some update on this right now. So go ahead, carry on. Uh, so yeah, that game obviously Arnautovic still scoring goals. Both the goals that Arnautovic scores, the the passes that led to his goals were fantastic, and he did he did well in the finishes as well. Uh, Hellas looked good against Sampdoria. I thought um, we may see the days for Gianpaolo be be numbered here, but I thought it was a good bounce back game for them. I don't know how that goal was an own goal for Aldero. Uh, Maybe that wasn't the goal I'm thinking of. There's another own goal that bounced off the post and hit off the goal. It might have been um, – I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter at this point. But Hellas, good performance to bounce back and get that win there. Uh, first one of the season, I think, for them. Udinese, I mean, just completely – I think at one nothing it was okay. As soon as the second goal that Samarches scored from distance, the, the bomb that Rui Patricio completely flundered, it was just – their mentally Roma were done. They were done. And because they had they still had chances. Dabala had a couple good chances in the game, uh, a couple other opportunities in the game as well. But that second goal went in, it was pretty much done. And then Pereira scored a goal. Uh, Pereira had a wonderful play to Lovrich uh for the for the fourth goal. It just ran right. And this is the killer instinct I want to see from Milan. It's like when you have a team on the ropes, knock them out. Don't give them opportunity. Imagine if at two nothing, you know, or three nothing, they gave Roma a sniff and if they get a goal, Roma's gonna come back possibly. Roma, uh, Udinese didn't allow that. And then, uh, you know, Atalanta, again, plug and play. Hoyland, I, I want to see what he does. You know, a couple of years ago, we had um, uh, Soul Train over there, Cornelius, you know, and he had yeah. a couple of good years with them. And now Hoyland, a big guy who gets in the right spot, you know, uh, getting goals. He's, only, he's still a teenager. He's like 19 years old or something like that. Um, the only positive for Monza was their, their kit. I like their light blue kit. I actually think it looked really nice in, in the game. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, you know, Salernitana and Salernitana scoring goals. They found some magic here in terms of goals. They hadn't, they were struggling to get goals for a while. And yes, it's Empoli, but Salernitana couldn't score for the life for life of them. And a couple moves at the end of the Mercato kind of got them a little bit more talent. And now they're they're starting to get some goals. You mentioned Dia uh, really turned into something for Salernitana. He's the player that, um, What's the guy from Crotone that came over for them? Simi, they thought was going to be, uh, mm-hmm. and he never really provided to be anything for them. And Diaz now getting goals, and so good for him to, to get that there. And yeah, good week overall. Yeah, it was. Um, I Mourinho was speechless. Don't worry, Jose. We were all speechless. <laughs> um, he said the baller was who played a good game. That surprised me. 
Okay. I think he's just trying to keep his confidence. I think that's just kind of keeping his confidence up. Uh, Mihalovic is out. Yep. Saputo said it was a difficult decision that they said that they're going to continue to support him in his recovery and helping him with what he's going to do next in his career. Um, but they felt at least in, for the sake of Bologna, that was a time for change of leadership. You know what? And I'm going to give, I'm going to give credit to Joey Saputo. That is probably the best way you can break this off. So, yeah. uh, you know, kudos to, Saput- to the Saputo family and how they're handling this. Um, you know, uh, but they, they've come to the realization that you and I have been saying since the end of last season, it got stale. Um, and it got stale over there. And I think that, you know, once when you get to a point where the message just isn't there anymore, it's time to move on. I'll tell you what I'm, pre- I'm impressed with, and not just because of the top of the table. Atalanta. Okay. Um, okay, two goals conceded through the first five games. This was a team that was all over the place defensively last year. Yeah. And I th- and, and you, when you look at them statistically and you look at it game by game, Atalanta have allowed the other team to have the ball. They've had allowed them to have the possession where we see Gasparini and these Atalanta teams and we think, okay, possession superiority, uh, chance creation, things like that. All right, and they dominate games. And they, they, you know, Bonetti makes a big deal out of the wingbacks and how they can come forward and score and that sort of thing. And this is a different Atalanta and how they're setting up. Gasparini's adjusted and had them become more of a counterattacking team. They're not demanding the ball as much. And I think that that has been a huge relief to how they can organize and how they can defend and how they can set themselves up. Yeah. Um, now, if they reach Europe next year and go back to the old way of doing things, maybe they're just doing that this year to just make sure they get their results, and that's how they're going to do it. Um, I'm just saying they can't attack because their players are very slow and unathletic. I don't think that's the case. I don't think Adamola Lookman is unathletic. I don't think Duvan Zapata is unathletic, and I don't think you know whenever he gets the opportunity again, Boga is unathletic. Yeah. I damn sure. I think Pasolic is deceptively quick. Um, you know, and then you've got Muriel, Muriel is talented and has the pace at times, but he is not as fit as he was before, I think. And maybe yeah. that's why he doesn't get any more starts, it seems like, except yeah. occasionally. Um, the rune is lost pace, obviously. Their wingbacks, you know, are not as threatening as they used to be. I mean, obviously, um, Hatabur is a little bit up there, and getting older now, and he's Teams to kind of figure out how to play against him. Mihele is, you know, he still has his moments here and there. Um, and the center backs are not as second as frequent as they had previously. But to your point, they're trying to play a little bit more defensive. So, um, but we're seeing also as Coop Miners, he may not be the paciest guy, but he's awfully talented. Uh, yeah. He can play a, a, a multitude of positions. Incredibly technical. So Incredibly good. technical. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I, I see that Gasparini has been willing to adjust and make this shift. And I think he had to with the personnel he had to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I think any of us would have looked at Atalanta and said, okay, no, you're up. They're going to go after everybody. You know, and they're going to go out and bomb away. And Gasparini's done exactly the opposite, and he's done it to resounding success. The one knock that I will have here is 
the only big team they've played is Milan, and they had a one-one draw. I mean, you can probably describe. You probably can look at the Torino result, the three-one win, and say, "Yeah, that's impressive," given how Torino have been so far this season. Yeah, but beating Sampdoria two-nil is not that impressive right now. Beating Monza two-nil is not that impressive right now. <laughs> you know, so that's that's where you can probably be the devil's advocate on what Atalanta are doing. But generally speaking, I think when you look at them and how they've changed things up, it's it's interesting to see, will they carry it on this for the rest of the season? I mean, well, if they've done it for five games, they'll probably do it for 38. Yeah. And, and Gasparini has realized that with what he's got at his, at his disposal, that this is the path to getting back to Europe. So... Um, and I think in that in that vein, you've got to give Gasparini some credit. Yeah, no, um, yeah. I want to see how he does against the rest of the Seven Sisters. Um, I don't know if I'm yeah. as convinced about them as you are, but they're certainly doing things differently, and it seems to be working thus far. There's a reason they're for the top of the table at the moment. So, granted, granted I need more sample, but I'm not going to yeah. anoint them as a top four team. I mean, at least he had a question, you know, about Atalanta here, you know, in the coming weeks. Do you have that handy? Uh, I do not. I do not. I'll see if well, I can find the, it. What the hell? I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> I counted on you to do that. I didn't think I had to. I didn't even bother looking at it. I know. And I saw it. I was like, oh, that's a great question. I'm like, eh, I'll follow up later. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll find it somewhere. Hang on. Let me see. I might be able to pull it up. Michael, Michael Lisi had a question, and Michael's a. He's a resident referee. Oh, He's a lo- loyal listener, and I want to make sure we 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 give this some attention here. He says, uh, "Hot take: With no European action, Atalanta have a chance to run off with a big lead before the World Cup break. They have Napoli, Lazio, and Inter all at home, and don't see Juve until after the break. All this while the other teams uh, have games every three to four days for the next six weeks. So, do we think Atalanta can pull away? It, <sighs> potential's there." Like like uh, Gasparini, like Lisi says, I'm not convinced just yet. Not quite. You know, go to Roma on September 18th and win. Yeah, I'll be convinced. You got Fiorentina at home, uh, at Udinese. Which ask Roma how that went. <laughs> ask um, ask Fiorentina how that went. They lost there too. Yeah. Um, they got Lazio at home. They've got Napoli at home. They've got Inter at home. This is all before the World Cup. Um, and they traveled to Lecce. Ask Inter how that went. Inter had to win at the last second. So uh, there's enough there's enough landmines here for Atalanta. But the path is there for them to go into the World Cup top of the table. I I I, I will agree with that. <laughs> Fungies and Funyuns are saying Atalanta is preparing themselves for a second half of the season collapse. <laughs> Very yeah, well, they got to go away to all of these places because you got to yeah. throw in Milan into you got to throw in Milan as well. Yeah, they got to go away to go to, go away to all of these places in the second half oh, of the season. God, so I mean, maybe Gasparini's let's just load up and get as many points as we can now and just hang on for dear life. But to Lisi's point, you get all these games at home and get the World Cup on the horizon with all a lot of these players are going to be going to their respective clubs they have a chance and there's no european action they have a chance to gain some points uh, on their rivals will it happen i don't know i'm not quite convinced atalanta is the one team i'm still not convinced yet 
and they could be Jekyll or Hyde. They could be what they are we see now and doing very well for the rest of the season, or they'll collapse at some point and the defense will be leaky again. It's it's the one team it's so hard for me to assess what they are right now. And I still need a few more games on them. And even then, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll know where they're at. It's, it's difficult with them. I would give them about a 15 to 20% chance of being top of Serie A before, but at, huh, that's pretty at the World Cup break. When is that break? Ready- Obviously December something, right? Yeah. And that might be generous, but yeah. I, I, I I don't mind giving them those odds. So just given the schedule, given how they're playing, given no European distraction, not playing every three days. I still think under 5%, but again, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. And then Tom's point, the majority of the players are not going to the World Cup. Yep. So so we'll see. I mean, it's a it's a it's a legitimate question to ask. I mean, it's only been five games. I September 18th, if they go to Roma and they win, we need to look at we need to revisit this and we need to look at it a little more seriously. That's both clubs. that's, for both that's clubs, the way I'm right? gonna leave it. Yeah. What's that? For both clubs. Look at both clubs. Yep. yep. So Atalanta doing Atalanta things are just doing them in a different way right now. So They've changed how they're doing their Atalanta things. They're not going out and pounding people for five or six goals. They're keeping you out now. Uh, Gasparini is just kind of pulling the tricks on all of us. So, I mean, that's the most I have on the on those batch of games. Yep. Um, and Sassuolo, it's always going to be tough for them to score goals without Berardi, who left the Milan game with an injury. And then you don't, you're still trying to replace... Skamaka and Raspadori, and, and Skamaka has decided to go waste his career at West Ham. Uh, Raspadori has decided to waste his career on Napoli's bench because I don't know how much he's going to play. Um, you know, uh, so we talked about Alvarez, and we think that the upside's there, but he never plays. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I think Dionisi thinks that Pinamonte is going to be his guy now. So that throws out my reaction to Alvarez joining. Sassuolo when he came over from Peñarol uh, in, in right. Uruguay, but because right. uh, I don't think 15 goals is happening now. If you would have given him the start and full run of games, Kamak is injured from my point exactly. He just he went to London and he got hurt. If he would have stayed here, he wouldn't have gotten hurt. <laughs> Sassuolo knew how to take care of him. <laughs> how's that? How's that for a bad take? Uh, <laughs> or a lazy take at best, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, goals of the week, but for me, it's plays of the week. So I'll okay. just go through mine real quick. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, uh, number five. I'm going to go with, uh, Pereira's goal, uh, for Udinese against Roma at number four. I'm going to go with Caputo's goal for Sampdoria in a losing okay. effort against Hellas Verona. Uh, I'm going to go with Leo's second goal for Milan in the Derby, uh, over Inter. Um, Matsoki's individual run for Salernitana against Empoli comes in at number two. Play of the week, Mike Mignan's save on Hakan Chalanolu. Uh, mm-hmm. That was headed to the upper right corner of the net, the flying save to tip the ball over the bar and preserve the three points okay. for the Rossoneri. Uh, most, I'm surprised that's not been talked about as much, but that was one unbelievable save. Yeah. Not for him. Uh, it could have been a different scoreline for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, my honorable mentions: uh, Harashelia's goal, Moritz's save on Felipe Anderson. I mentioned earlier. Uh, both Arnautovic's goals. I thought the Medel pass and the Soriano pass were fantastic, and the Caputo's uh, goal as well. I like that as well. But 
not my top five. My top five are as is. Uh, Matia Perrin at number five with a save on Amrabat and his double. It's not even a double save, but it's also a penalty kick save on Jovic. I think those two big saves in the game, I yeah. just put them as one. So that's number five. Number four, uh, I like team goals, and I think Inter's team goal where Brozovic scored the goal, uh, you know, with Lataro holding it up. Nice goal overall, four for me. Number three, I put it in Mike Magnon. I thought obviously his header save, uh, the save on Lataro's header plus the, the save on Hakan. Fantastic saves. I don't know anyone's going to make that save on Lataro that, that he did. Maybe Hakan save as well, right? Um, I like team goals again. That comes in number two, Udinese. I'm putting some salt on, on Roma's uh, wound there. Uh, their fourth goal, beautiful team goal. Just half the team gets involved on that on that goal. They just pass, pass, pass. Udoji with a great crossfield pass to set up the, the two other passes that led to a goal. So wonderful team goal there. And then Leal, his game winner. Uh, the back heel by Giroud, I just loved that. It was a wonderful pass by, I don't know if it was Tonali or who it was, but um, Giroud, back heel flick to Leal. Leal embarrassing the, the, the three best offenders for, for Inter and then puts it away past Andanovic. So that's my number one play, hence why I'm wearing the jersey. There you go. Safe to say we still have Domenico Berardi's goal against Lecce as our goal of the season front runner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we have not seen one that beats that yet. Not yet. So. So Not we're, we're going to get there. So uh, predictions? Sure. Let's get into it. Richard and I have very contrasting uh, table predictions. We are identical in our champion. Uh, we are identical in Roma getting to be a top four team under Jose Mourinho and that this is the year that Finally, Allegri's tactics don't work, and Juventus fall <laughs> out of top four and finish fifth. We're identical on Fiorentina finishing seventh, Torino ninth, Udinese tenth, Sassuolo eleventh, and then Lecce nineteenth and Cremonese twentieth. So let's just talk about Napoli and Inter. Okay, I've got Napoli second. You've got Inter second. State the case for Inter, and I'll state the case for Napoli. They're not the reigning champions, but they're a year removed from being champions. Uh, they put a fight with Milan to the very end last year, a couple of results, and maybe you know things are different. I don't think this team is that drastically... I don't think they're worse. I think they've added some pieces that will help. Obviously, Lukaku uh, will help. and He's not the same player as he was, but he's still going to score goals. I mean, you picked him for Capo Canieri. He's, he's still going to be a factor for them. Um, obviously, the defense is issue the last two games for me. doesn't help my case, but... I think they're going to be in the mix. They're a good team. They're going to beat up the the, the the teams that they should be beating. And barring the two games we just saw here, I think it's a blip on the radar. I think Inter is going to be a difficult team to beat this season. And so I feel they're much more consistent than what Napoli can be. And that's why I have them ahead of Napoli. Not that I don't like Napoli because I've been talking about Napoli all, all preseason. But I think Inter... We know I know what they have with them. With Napoli, it's potential there. Inter, I know what they have, and I'm I'm confident that they're gonna be able to pull the results. That they're gonna make life difficult for Milan, the Napolis of the world, and Romas. Um, so I'm fully confident that they'll be in there at till the very end uh for the Scudetto Hunt. Okay, and here's where I here's where I beg to differ. I okay. think that Last year, I expected a dip under Simone Inzaghi. We didn't quite get it. They were very, very close to winning the Scudetto. This year, I think that dip happens. Okay. Um, and I think it's already starting to happen. Um, I think that maybe teams are starting to figure out Inter a little bit more as we go. Um, I think that De Vrij, I, I agree with the sentiment among Inter Twitter that De Vrij is past it. Uh, I don't think that a Cherby is an improvement to that back three. 
Um, you know, and eventually Skinner is going to find some form and play a little bit better. But uh, I look at this Napoli team. I look at the gut check against Lazio and how they came back and won that and dominated that game. Um, I look at Kim getting better with every game. I look at Zielinski taking control of things. I look at Kavara being a revelation uh, and seeing that I grossly underestimated Napoli uh, preseason. Um, I see that they're collecting the results now, and I talked about them being the team that nobody would want to play over the last 10 games of the season this year and being the trendy team for next year. Well, they're winning now, and they're still going to be a dominant team over the last 10 games of the season this year. Uh, and be the trendy team for next year. So that's where I have Napoli just over Inter finishing second. We have, we're also very contrasted in Lazio and Atalanta. You're high on Atalanta, at least higher than I am, and I'm higher with Lazio. So why do you think Atalanta is going to be six as opposed to me picking them in ace? No, Europe, and they can keep playing like this and keep collecting results. Uh, you know, and I'm not sold on Lazio's midfield. I think that you can easily get through them and get to a – uh, center back pairing that, you know, is probably average when it comes to Serie A. Uh, and then also, I, I don't think they're better in the fullback positions either at Lazio. These are areas that they had to strengthen and didn't. Um, I think this is a team that's very, very easy to get at. I think that you can put them under pressure, make them uncomfortable. I don't think Saudi has the players at his disposal on the bench to be able to adapt where I think that you can see that just look up front for Atalanta. It seems like Gasparini can put anybody up there and they can score. Uh, where Lazio is going to have to be immobile dependent again uh, for long stretches of the season. And for those reasons, I've, I've got Atalanta finishing sixth and Lazio eighth and missing out on Europe. Yeah, that's a good shot. And especially if Atalanta continues the way they're playing for the rest of the season, that's a that's an excellent shout. Um, you know, during the Mercato, not that either of these teams did anything particularly fantastic, but I think Lazio did a good job of unloading some dead weight. They they need to get rid of some guys, and they did. Um, and I always think Sadi improves his team, especially in that second year. And we are in the second year now, and we started seeing glimpses of that, what we saw against Inter. Now, that could have been Inter having a blip in the radar or a fart, brain fart or whatever, but, you know, not, Lazio looked very fluid in the game. Um, obviously, having guys like Zaccagni, Felipe Anderson, Immobile, you know, Luis Alberto, if he ever going to start again, um, and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, those guys will help. Yes, I agree about the the fullback issues and and Romagnoli. I think is an improvement on Acerbi. He is, um, and he obviously got a good goalie now with Provadel. But I think Sarri is going to have his team playing more of his style compared to last year, and they can only be improved from last year. Now. Mercato-wise, they're nowhere near some of the this other seven sisters. I mean, even Juve had a much better uh, Mercato than they did. Um, but I still think Lazio are going to prove that much more under, under Saudi. They understand the system a little bit better. And can they be consistent enough? I don't know. But I'm also more unsure about Atalanta than I am Lazio. I think I, I know what I have with Lazio compared to Atalanta. Atalanta, like I said just a couple minutes ago, I don't know what to make of them just yet. I, just, I really don't. Um, and Lazio, I feel like I know what they what they are. Imobile is going to get you goals, like you said. He's going to be up there. He's going to be twenty goals this year. Uh, but I feel more confident with Sari and Lazio at the moment than I do Atalanta. And obviously, that can easily change, you know, as season goes on. But I I, I like what Sari's doing with, with Lazio at the moment. And you're right, he doesn't have the players at his disposal that he needs. But I still think Lazio are are good. Not quite. Mm-hmm. 
European good maybe, but um, obviously I did because I picked them six. But um, <laughs> I, I think they're better than Atalanta at the moment. But yeah. Okay. Okay. And then moving to the bottom half of the table, I'm really high on Salernitana from what I've watched at the beginning of the season. And the, the only thing that really, really concerns... Position. Wow. Yeah. The only thing that really concerns... I mean, this is probably one of the surprising positions out of everything here. The only thing that concerns me is the failure to turn some of these games into wins. They should have beaten Empoli. Um, you know, some of these draws that should be wins right now when you take a look at them. Uh, should have beaten Empoli here this week. Uh, had the 1-1 draw with Bologna, should have beaten them. Had the nil-nil draw with Udinese at the Dacia. Ask Fiorentina and Roma how tough that is. Uh, so to go there and get a nil-nil draw is fine. And they put two past Milan. Um, you know, so I mean, Udinese put two past Milan, I should say. Yep. Uh, Salernitana in defeat, you know, put on a relatively brave performance against Roma and fell, fell to a 1-0 defeat. So... I think that we have a good little collection of results here that tell us what Salernitan are going to be. I think that there's some really dynamic players in this team. I love the combination up front of Dia and Bonazzoli. I think that they're going to get better as this goes on. Vilhena is a talented midfield player. Love Lasana Koulibaly. I really like the midfield. Pasquale Mazzocchi, is a star. Pasquale Mazzocchi looks like a star in the making, and I am really, really high on Dylan Braun. Um this yep. is the next defender that plays on a top eight team next year. Um, and uh, you've got Luigi Seppe in goal, who's a fantastic shot stopper. And then you combine all of that with the leadership that they have in the dressing room. Okay, so maybe Antonio Candreva and Frank Ribery are not Zlatan and Sam Kiar, but they're veterans. They've been through the battles. They've been through the wars, and they're going to be able to walk these young guys through it. I like how this team is set up. I think David Nicola is a good manager and I think can push the right buttons. And, and I think Salernitana is going to be a surprise this season and finish 12th. Uh, I, I, I like their prospects. I like what I've seen to start the season. Just would like them to finish games a little mm-hmm. bit better. I'm curious as to has, is, is Bologna 12th for you now because they've finally removed themselves from uh, Mihailovic? It helps. It certainly helps. Um, I was being hopeful with them because i think the talent is there's so much talent at this club that they can't be that bad um i think they're, they're obviously are not the match leading the league goal is not that that's going to happen for the rest of the season but there's good good players that, there's good players at at bologna's disposal and they just need the right managers now i think getting rid of mahalovic will help now if they bring in tiago mota maybe not but i like what they have there and i think they're at least the players are better than verona verona Still a good team, but they can't figure it out for whatever reason. They got one. They got one this weekend against Sabdoria. Um, makes me question my Verona over Sabdoria pick, especially with John Paulo there. But um, yeah, I, I still have high hopes with Bologna and, and, and Solernitana. I did think they improved. I think the end of the Mercato, they brought in some good bodies that really going to help them get out of the relegation, which is why I got them out of there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bologna. I think. You know, Sampdoria, Empoli, Verona are all going to be in a the mix there with each other, especially as well. For me, I think it's just, you know, Monza. Uh, Nicola, I think he always struggles his, you know, when he's with a team for more than a year, he starts to struggle. The great, the bodies that came in will help for sure. And I think that'll help them get out. But he's going to, I don't know if I'm convinced yet that he's going to, um, I can hear the truck of Saputo cheese backing up Richard's house. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I do like Udinese. 
and I, I've been talking about it all preseason. I think they're a tough team. They're a tough out. But I think Bologna has the talent that they're going to figure it out. Um, figure it out in the sense that they're going to be mid-table, not necessarily relegated. Um, if they had kept Mihailovic, I didn't expect this to happen. I thought he was going to get fired. I think I mentioned it in the preview pod that Mihailovic is going to be one of the first to go because how could it not? You saw what he did last year. Everyone saw this coming. Um, and the hard part is Saputo. How is he going to – or was it Saputo with um, – um, Bologna. Yeah, as we've been saying for as we've been saying for months, this isn't your typical sacking. No, no, and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard, and I get it. But Bologna, yeah, I'm high on their on their talent overall, so that's why I have them as high as I do. Okay. Thirteen through sixteen, I just I I did in what in order of what I think is where the talent is. Um, yep, fair enough. Verona, Bologna, Sampdoria, Empoli. Um, uh, I think that with Thomas Henry, Verona have a striker with 15 goal upside, and I think they have the player and give him the service. Darko Lazovic, Faraoni, Ilic, um, you know, Tamez is probably more of a box to box beast. Uh, Veloso, when called upon, can provide some playmaking from the middle of the field. I think that there's, there's just, you know, for the start that they're off to. Okay, they got blasted by Napoli, and everybody said, okay, relegate them, but they've been competitive over the last four games. Um, and that's what you're looking for with a team like this at this point. Um, Bologna, I, I think they're just a step below them. I think that they're going to survive on Arnautovic scoring a bunch of goals for them. Um, the defending is shocking. Uh, they had some losses in the midfield. I think Svanberg's not there anymore. Uh, huge loss for them. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're always going to have a chance to score goals because of Arnautovic, but also because of some other supporting players. Uh, but defensively, I think they're just extremely shaky. Sampdoria, they've got forwards that can't move. Um, you know, I, and I can't really put them any higher than 15th at this point. I mean, if you paired Caputo with somebody that could run and that could stretch things, uh, I, I'd be a bigger believer. I, I, yeah. I love, as you know, Abdelhamid Sabiri. I think he's, I think he's a talent, but I think that a lot of his playing, making, and a lot of the things that, uh, he does is just going to go to die because the end piece isn't just, isn't going to be there anymore. Caputo's older now. Qualidrell is older now. Um, I, I, I don't agree, Hamza. I don't think Samp will get relegated. And the reason why I say this is because at some point they're going to come to their senses and sack Champalo and another manager is going to try to <laughs> reshuffle this a little bit and they'll play better. Exactly what we said. Everybody last year at the beginning of the season said Verona was going to get relegated because of EDF. And I said, they're not going to get relegated because at some point they're going to sack them. And they're going to bring somebody in to fix this because the talent is too good. Um, and Empoli is a team that – what a pity that Tommaso Baldanzi got hurt uh, mm, last yeah. week. That is a young guy that I want to see more of because I think that he's a star uh, in the making. Um, but they've got Marine. They've got Bayrami. They held on to him. He did, they didn't lose him to uh, Fiorentina. They've got different guys that can, sto- that can score from the looks of it. Lammers. Um, uh, the other kid that scored in the game and the name escapes me. Um, and then Destro. So they've got, they've got quality up front, but can they hold it together in the back? And that's where I have my concerns. So my 13 to 16 is just based on an order of talent. I, I've got Sampdoria slightly more talented than Empoli that I think that talent is going to eventually show itself once Giampaolo is sacked and there's another manager in place. Let me ask you this of these teams in the bottom half of the table, there's a name out there who is now free of a job, um, Roberto De Zerbi. Do you think he comes back for any of these teams, or does he hold out for that elusive Juventus job or one of these you know, top you know, eight sisters job? 
Uh, what are your thoughts with him? I wouldn't come to one of these teams. Yeah. No, I not not if I'm him. I'm holding out. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see him at Juventus. I'd love to see anybody but Allegri at Juventus at this point. <laughs> so, um, he'd be great at Juventus. Or if Italiano took the Juventus job and did Serbi took the Fiorentina job. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking you the know, same thing. And the chain reaction is set from there. Or, but, I, mean, I mean, imagine if, if Spalletti doesn't live up to the hype this season. Say they, they bomb for some reason and they barely make top four or don't make top four. Maybe Deserbi goes to Napoli. Imagine what he could do there. I don't know. The personnel is there for how he wants to play. Yeah. It's not far-fetched. But I think Spalletti will be fine. I do too. Like I said, I think that – I still think that Napoli is being the it – building to be the it team for 23-24. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to – I think they're better than what I originally gave him credit for, which is why I now have him second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You're 13th to 16th in rationale for it. Mostly a, a talent with team I thought I had the most talents out of the grouping. Um, like I said, I'm really high on, on Bologna. Apparently, I'm eating the cheese of, of Saputo, but uh, Sampdoria, a lot of good players in there. You mentioned, um, I think the old guard can still score, not at the rate that they should be or could be or used to. Uh, Zabidi, obviously, very high on some other pieces are, are still pretty good. Epoli have decent players. Um, they they made some surprise, they played surprisingly well last year, considering for, for a promoted team. and I think that they still can get some the results. They have some goal scorers on the team. Uh, we talked about some of the players last year that did so well for them. Um, Verona, they have too much talent not to be relegated, I, in my opinion. It doesn't matter who their manager is. I think there's still good bodies there. Uh, but they are more talented than Spezia, in my opinion. More talented than Salernitana and Monza and Lecce and Cremonese. Um, Spezia, I think, do just enough to stay in the league. Every year we say, are they getting relegated? And then they find a way somehow. Um I know you have him going down this year, possibly. And uh, yeah, only reason I don't have him going down because I think Monza, Lecce, and Criminals are that bad. And I think Monza has a talent to get out of it. I agree with you. Uh, but they haven't shown any glimpses of it just yet. And, you know, it, so far, all the moves that they made remind me of the banter era when Berlusconi is leaving Milan, whereas a lot of moves sound looks nice, but they don't work out. Hopefully, that's not the case for them. I hope they're, they're, they make a challenge, you know, them and Lecce and, and Cremonese. But I think Spezia are more stable than, than Monza are at the moment or anybody below them. Uh, and that includes Salernitana. But, you know, uh, what do I know? <laughs> okay, so now then let's talk about – because, I mean, we all agree that Lecce – we both agree that Lecce and Cremonese are getting relegated. Cremonese just – Yeah. They, the scores suggest they're competitive, but – what you see on the pitch shows that they're just not yeah. Lecce. This is not Liberani's Lecce that tried to play and gave up three, four goals a game. This is a Lecce that's trying to play like they're trying to survive. And they look bad against and Torino. What's that? You look bad against Torino. And they just, and they just don't have enough going forward to change a game and enough to get out of where they are. Um, so you have Salernitana 17th, Monza 18th. Obviously, I'm very high on Salernitana, and I, yep. you know, so I'm gonna call you crazy for having him 17th. <laughs> I got him out of relegation, at least that. I have Spezia getting relegated, and I have Monza surviving. Yep. I'm gonna stick to my guns in the preseason of Monza. I cannot see a team that has Matteo Pessina, Stefano Sensi, Gianluca Caprati. They shouldn't be relegated. getting relegated. Well, we saw Cagliari uh, get relegated, and they had pretty talented players as well. 
Yeah. With all the respect, George, <laughs> I'm going to argue. Um, I'm going to argue that this Monza team has more talent okay. than last year's Calgary team. Um, I'll take a you know Caprari is kind of Caprari kind of plays and you know does what Gel Pedro does, except that Caprari can also serve a ball and can, and can do some things a little bit more technically. I think the midfield is a little bit better. I think where Monza is going to have their problems is they thought they might still have something in Andrea Ranocchia and Andrea Ranocchia is dusty and can't defend and just sucks. Like he's already <laughs> firmly locked into my crap on a cracker team. Nice. Um, and we've only had five games. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, but I just, I just think on the quality of the players that Monza have it, I, 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 I like, their roster over Spezia's. And that's why I think Spezia goes down. At some point, Spezia is going to, I mean, they're playing a Bologna, they, they play a Bologna team that just stopped believing in their coach and got a point. They were lucky to beat Empoli. Um, they took that loss to, and they were just out of their depth against Inter. They got, they found a way to draw Sassuolo, which we're, we're learning isn't that impressive. Yeah. Um, and then if I go on, I look at that game, the Spezia Sassuolo game. They were outshot twenty-one to seven, so they were lucky to get the hell out of there with a point. Yeah, you know. So I, I think it's a Spezia team that's just getting lucky right now, and eventually that is going to normalize, and they're going to be one of the three worst teams in this league. Fair enough. Fair enough. Your case for Monza getting relegated, then? Again, it's more like. I feel like it's very similar to the banter era of Milan with Berlusconi when he was when he was leaving there. A lot of players aren't doing anything. I, I think I agree. I think they have talented players there, but they haven't done they haven't shown me anything yet that that, that can change. Now maybe a new manager will change that um, and get more out of these players. They got a lot of talented players there for sure, but and some of them near and dear to us. But I haven't they haven't proved anything to me yet that they're better than certainly not than Salernitana, who just made some moves at the end of the Mercato and they seem to be gelling already. Uh, and, and again, Spezia, I think, still have um, it's a little more together. It's more a little cohesiveness and chemistry. They've been together for a little bit more now that they can get it done. I mean, I like Simone Bastoni. Uh, Bastoni, excuse me, uh, scored a rocket today or yes, this weekend, I should say. Um, and so there's some pieces there that I like. Doesn't mean I think they're they're great and all. I'm starting to. As this podcast is going on, I'm starting to consider my Salernitana Spezia swap. Maybe that should be flipping positions there. But uh, yeah, I, I I just slightly have Spezia ahead of Monza, um, and I hope not. I, I think I'd love to see Monza stay up, or I'd love to see Lecce stay up, but um, not convinced just yet. All right. <sighs> if anything, we've 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 given you some players you should start thinking about watching. Uh, Dylan Braun of of Salernitana. Mm-hmm. Keep you know keep your eye on him. Uh, when he comes back fit, Tommaso Baldanzi uh, for Empoli. Uh, really, really impressed so far. Um, you know, so there's some of these guys that are coming in from these these bottom half clubs that are going to make a name for themselves and they're going to find work with the better clubs at some point. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so we'll have to see if that uh, that continues to go. That's just two to give you an example of. So that's where we're at. And that's an explanation of where we differ and why we differ. So. 
Um, we'll see as it unfolds. You know, it's an inexact science, and that's why we like to wait until after the Mercato before we give our predictions for the season. Hams is with me, man. He thinks yeah. Lernitana is like 11th. Or, I, I have him 12th. So, okay. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Yep. And I, I, Matsuki is another guy that's going to continue to get yeah. better as we go. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, moving on to Europe uh, today, two matches. Let's just go through them real quick. Okay. So PSV 2, Juve 1, uh, Salzburg 1, Milan 1. Uh, so um, Hamza says Birandelli's. Birandelli Monza right wing back. By the way, that Birandelli is the son of uh, Alice, is it Alessandro Birandelli or Aless, it's Alessandro, I think, uh, that was on Juve in the nineties. Oh, okay. So cool. Um, so just uh, just dropping my knowledge of history again on everybody. Salzburg Milan one one. I don't think Milan deserved any worse. Certainly didn't deserve any better. Um, yeah, you know they 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 were they succumbed to a great Okafor goal. Who, uh, I think that uh, Kalulu after the game went back on the pitch to look for his ankles. Um, yes, yes, his dad played on the left. You are right, Hamza. Um, but uh, they did rebound nicely. A nice little counterattacking goal that was finished by of all people Alexis Salamakers uh, for a one-one draw. I mean, your thoughts on that game? I thought. One one was fair, and when and when you come off a derby and you have to go away to Europe against anybody and can come away with a point, it's a good result. Yeah, I agree, and I don't think Leao was dynamic as he was in the derby, and you know he's got to get used to the three day three day games. Obviously, someone like Giroud would be well experienced in this, but some of these young guys like Leao and some of these other guys they need they need more experience in that regards. Um, I think Milan wasn't quite prepared for Salzburg, even though we talked about how decent Salzburg are. They're they're a they're a playmaking creator you know over there at Salzburg they, they find these gems and they develop them and then sell them for big money um and they got a good young manager as well so yeah I think Milan weren't ready for that uh obviously Salzburg watched the derby because they did exactly what Inter did when they were successful against Milan in the derby and went down the right hand side and found that you know that the combination link up play that led to Okafor's you know dance around Kalulu and nutmegging both him and, and Magnon on the shot um Milan were decent I think, and I think the result overall is fine. I know a lot of Milanese are probably upset that the hey they should have won the game, but you know playing Salzburg on the road is a good result. Getting a point is a good result. Sure, would they love to take? Would I've loved them to take advantage of of Chelsea losing? Hell yes, but it didn't happen, right? Um, we'd love to be three points up on Chelsea at this point in, in the Champions League, but I think overall it's a good result, and they have to understand it, they learned this last year, but it needs to sink in that. Champions League is another beast. You yep. have to raise your level. Every one of these teams are chomping the bit to play one of these top teams, like a Chelsea or Milan. They're going to bring bring their best game. They want to, you know, want to do well. Uh, we saw Celtic push Real Madrid for like 40, 40 50 minutes before they, the gates opened up. Um, so they're going to bring their best games, and you have to raise your level, no matter who you're playing, especially when you play the bigger teams. But even the small teams, they will fight you. As Chelsea was done with Zagreb today, so. Um, I'm. I think the result was okay for them, honestly. But we talked about this group. We 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 still think that Milan and Chelsea will be the teams that qualify. But we also said when we went o- over this that Salzburg and Zagreb were not going to be pushovers, and, and they haven't been. Zagreb have some pretty good technical players. Orsic was, I think, one we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Lo and behold, I mean, he scored a cheeky goal 
uh, on that counterattack. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would like to have seen – I want to watch more of this Baturina kid. I, I wish that he got more of a run at them. They, they gave him the last couple of minutes, and he just ran around and fouled people. Sesco's going to be a good one too. And Sesco's going to be a good one for South. Did he get in? Because he didn't start. He did at the end of the game. Okay. I was stunned that they didn't play him. I know. He would have been a guy that I think could have really asked some questions of Milan's midfield. Um, so, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so it's a point. It's it's not the end of the world. Uh, you go to the PSG Juventus game and you expect Leonardo Benucci, dusty old Leonardo Benucci, to try to deal with Kylian Mbappe. And we saw how that worked out. Yeah, uh, two one to PSG probably could have been worse, but then at the same time, Juve had chances to make it two two at the same time. It was just one of these weird games that. How did PSG just not go and bury these guys right from the start, and then for not burying them, they were nearly punished for letting Juve hang around. They get the goal through McKenney. Mm-hmm. Um, Juve fans are kind of taking the moral victory approach on this, which okay, last I, year, right. I guess you can do that, but man, if if a point was possibly there for the taking, and if PSG was vulnerable, you got to figure out how to take that point, especially with a Benfica that's not going to go away in this group. Yeah, but I mean, I would say Juve was all right. I mean, I don't think they were. Obviously, they weren't good. They didn't win. Um. But thoughts on thoughts on Juve today against PSG? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with Ham. I think it was Hamza who said that you know it should have been four one five one for PSG. It was all PSG in the first half. They had no answer for them really, uh, but they adjusted well. I think also PSG didn't have that killer instinct that I talked about with Milan in the derby that they really should have put this away, and they gave Juve a chance to sniff around when they got that goal through McKinney. It kind of gave another hope there, and they had the game was a lot closer than it should have been in that game. I, you know, um, I think what we saw were two brilliant finishes by by uh, Mbappe for sure. I mean, those not many people in the world can get those finishes first touch like he did. Both goals mm-hmm. were difficult, and he nailed them and nailed them in the back of the net. Uh, but PSG is a far better team, I think, than Juventus, and Juventus did hang around. Oh, if you look at the results, it wasn't a blow up. Right, you know, we may, you know, I know Interisi are worried, but they may get blown out by Bayern next week or tomorrow. But uh, they didn't get blown out, so that's that's the moral victory there. But I think PSG let them off the hook, let them into the game a lot more than a Juventus causing that to happen. I think that's just me. Um, but um, my gripe, my biggest gripe with Champions League today was Paramount Plus, which normally I love that crew that works Champions League, but I waited freaking the whole post-game show to watch highlights of you know Italian teams and all they talk about is Mbappe and Halan for 50 minutes I'm like are you fucking serious so no action from the Milan game or the Chelsea game or some of the other games I'm like come on now that pissed me off so yeah and I but I can also see the point and I got it I'd be a hypocrite because I did tweet I said you know I football is in good hands when we've got players like Kylian Mbappe and, sure. and Erling Haaland now so you know, and if they're going to both go out and brace, then clearly they're going to get all the attention. So, you know, there's nothing you're going to do about it because that's what the majority of the global football crowd wants to see and talk about. But my so, problem is, too, is that, like, you can't – I missed the first half of, of the Milan game or all the games, really, because I was doing family stuff. And so I okay. never got to see the goals at all. 
I still don't know who uh, had the score. I saw the Okafor goal because it was highlighted all over, you know, Kalulu getting nutmeg the whole, uh, up, yeah. and the, up and down the pitch. But I couldn't get to see any of those goals, all the goals I had in the first half. Like, I didn't get to see it. I just want to see the damn goals, you know? And if, yeah. if you're not going to show the goals in the post game, at least make the option to rewind and live play happen. Like ESPN does that. That's probably my bigger gripe is that you can't rewind during live play. If you missed a goal, missed a replay, oh, well, wait till halftime or end of the game to watch the results. And even then you won't get it. That's fair. All right, so tomorrow we've got uh, Bayern and Inter at the Allianz. Um, And then you've got uh, Napoli and Liverpool at the Maradona. Two tasty games. Really, really intriguing. Uh, Actually, Inter is at San Siro. Excuse me. Hmm. Okay, I thought that was at the Allianz. Okay, it is at San Siro. All right, you got a Bayern right now that... They they beat Victoria Kuhn in the poll call. Okay, big deal. Uh, drew come off drawing Union Berlin and drawing Munchen Gladbach. Uh, put seven past Balkum, put six past Eintracht Frankfurt, put five past Leipzig, which that we're learning that's not hard to do <laughs> um, against Leipzig. Inter, meanwhile, are defensively suddenly shocking. Um, Gave up uh, seven in their last three games in Serie A, three to Lazio, three to Milan, one to Cremonese. This game is at Inter, which is why I might give Inter a puncher's chance to get something out of this. It's also probably – I like Inter because they're going to be able to play their counter game against Bayern. And with Bayern playing a high line very much like a, Milan did, they're going to have a chance to exploit that. Why I don't like Inter is because Bayern press better than Milan do, and Inter stink against teams that press them. Yep. So this is this is where I'm conflicted. I think Bayern are going to squeeze this out 2-1. I'm going to say this is going to be – I think Inter are going to give a damn good account of themselves. Uh, but I think this is going to end 2-1. I don't think they're going to get blown away here, but I think that it's going to be an odd goal that's going to give Inter the win in the three points. Uh, and that's where I'm at on that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying this is going to be a blowout, seven nothing, eight nothing game, and it's possible, right? Bayern are very capable of doing that. Ask Barcelona. Um, and I think what we'll see is similar to what Gladbach and Union Berlin did against Bayern. Bayern are going to be angry because they're angry about those two results, and they feel like they should have blown both those teams out. And you know, both those teams are pretty good actually. But um, I think what we see is. Inter in these types of games in the last couple of seasons, even under Nzagi, whether obviously in Conte, but with Nzagi, is that they rise to the challenge and they play the teams very, very well. And I, I'm with you. I think the best case result for Inter is that they get a draw. I see a one-goal victory for Bayern, and it's nothing to take away from Inter. I think just Bayern is that good, and the pressing is gonna is gonna drive them nuts. You know, we, you know, we talk about how good pressing is, and how Milan likes to press as well. Pioli got his pressing style from Bayern. He likes the way Bayern press, and he wants to kind of mimic that same style. They're, we're not at the level player-wise, or, or as as doing the system as long as Bayern have been doing it, but that's gonna drive them crazy. We've seen smaller clubs succeed against Inter in this situation. Uh, and they struggle. We'll see if they can give the, the back three some help this time. But it's gonna be close. I think Inter Lautaro is gonna if he plays, he's gonna be a big. He's a big game player. Maybe Lukaku starts. I don't know. I don't know if he's recovered from his injury. But I think this is gonna be tight, tighter than Bayern fans gonna want uh, for sure. And so uh, yeah, it's gonna be a close one. I think I'm with you. 
I don't think they're expecting uh, Lukaku to start. It looks like Sofa score at least has got Jekyll up front with Lataro. Hamza says five three for Byron. I don't see Inter scoring three goals. <laughs> they could. They could. I don't see Byron. I, I don't know if Byron will put. I mean, Byron's going to win the game. I'm going to go. I'm still going to go two one to Byron. I think it's going to be an intriguing game. It's going to be exciting. Um, but I think in the end, Byron are going to just nick this on the road at Inter. So yeah. Napoli Liverpool. Uh, at the Maradona, do you know that Napoli haven't lost since April 24th of this year? Wow. I just went back and looked that up. Since they changed the, the name? What's that? Since they changed the name? Napoli? Yeah. They Who changed their about? name? Who you... Well, they changed it to the Maradona Stadium. No, well, I mean, it's been the Maradona Stadium. It's the Maradona Stadium at the beginning of last year. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, they lost it. Milan beat them there in March. But their last loss hmm. was at Empoli. Uh, April 24th, 2022. Okay. Uh, 3-2. Uh, just to kind of give some perspective where if you're going to beat Liverpool, this is the time to beat them where they're so inconsistent right now. Okay, yeah. they can they can put nine past Bournemouth, which doesn't seem very hard to do. They lose at Manchester United. They draw at Fulham. Their away form, when you look at this, stinks. I mean, they're all over Everton and probably should have won. Um, I'm gonna give Napoli a win here. Oh, okay. I just I'm I'm I I think that you know Liverpool coming off the Merseyside derby, uh, and certainly Napoli coming off a difficult game on Saturday as well. Um, but I think that this is the game. I think there's going to be a ton of goals in it, but I'm going to go three two to Napoli. I think this is going to be the game you're going to want to be glued to. You're going to want to watch. I think it's going to be open. I think that. The, the newly formed back line for Napoli is going to be tested now to even more of an extent, uh, you know, with what not with what Liverpool can throw at you up front. But, you know, I Kavara could have a coming out party in this game. He could also stink. Zielinski could have a coming out party. Um, I, I like this game. I'm you guys in the chat are saying two two. I'm going to go. I'm going to bang the drum for the part that will pay if I'm. All of a sudden, elevating them to second in my predictions, I got to say they're going to beat Liverpool. That's right. And if you're going to beat right now, if you're going to beat Liverpool, this is the time to beat them where they're shaky and they're struggling and they're giving goals away. I'm going 3 2 to Napoli. Okay. That's a, that's a fair shot. And I think I agree with you. If you're going to beat Liverpool, this is the time to do it. I think, though, that the mystique of Liverpool is going to haunt Napoli in the sense that this they shouldn't. They should look at it player for player. Look, you know, look who's on front of them, and that's and they should be fine. But they're not going to. They're going to use that mystique against them because what I feel is going to happen probably is like you see Liverpool score early, they catch against catch them against a the run or something like that, and then Napoli like, oh, what's going on here? I see. I like the two-two shout that people are saying two-two shout because I see, I can see some goals here for for Napoli for sure. But I think they're going to give too much respect for Liverpool that they let them hang around, and then you know the game will be even, and it shouldn't be. I think you know this is probably a good time that Napoli should be beating them. You know. Um, I think talent-wise, they they can certainly compete, but I think that mystique's going to be weighing heavy on them, and it's, they're not going to be able to get the win as much as I would want. And I, so I, I say two-two. I, I said goals in this game for sure. It's going to be entertaining, no doubt about it. Um, Liverpool, you know, they seem to do well in these Champions League nights anyway, whether in road or or, or home. But uh, as you mentioned, away they're not that great this year, so they'll definitely be giving up goals. So it'll be wide open. Uh, I, I think that's going to be the. If you want to watch a game tomorrow, that's going to be the game to watch. Um, you know, just to put it into perspective. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so uh, on Thursday in the Europa League, uh, Roma traveled to Ludo Gretz in Bulgaria. Lazio hosts Feyenoord. And in the Conference League, uh, Fiorentina play Rigas Futbol Escola, hmm. who are really, really good in Latvia. Yeah. Um, and uh, have a nice little unbeaten run going there. Uh, so, but that's Latvia. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go Fiorentina 2 0. I'm going to go Roma winning 1 0 at, at Ludo Gretz and. Jose's not going to be bothered by it. He's not going to go try to run up the score. I think that he's going to want a get-right game out of his guys after what happened with Udinese. Uh, and I think Lazio Feyenoord is going to be 1-1. I could even see 2-2. Feyenoord can score goals. Um, yeah. and, and it's going to be a difficult game. It's going to be a fun game. If you're going to watch a Europa League game, watch Lazio Feyenoord. I think that's going to be open. I said 1-1. Let me change it. 2-2 uh, Lazio Feyenoord. I think that's a draw. Okay. Roma win, Fiorentina win, Lazio draw. I agree with all those score lines. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say 3-3. Three, three. I think it's going to be no defense in that game. I think it's going to be wide open in the final Lazio matchup. But I like the other scores, one nothing for, for Roma and then 2 nothing for uh, Fiorentina. I think both those clubs are going to get their wins uh, and, and get their campaigns off to a right start there. So, yeah, and no, there's no shame in drawing Feyenoord. Feyenoord are a decent club. Uh, they're one of the you know the big three and in, in, in then Eredivisie. So, um and I think they won a cup recently, uh, domestic cup recently, but that's not the point. The point is, I think it'll be an entertaining game. You know, Melville will get his goals, and it'll be fun, wide open. Yep. Um, hey, uh, for Feyenoord, Danilo, uh, Brazilian forward, 23 years old, yeah, scoring the goals for them right now. Sebastian yeah. Simanski, playmaking midfielder for them. And then Ali Reza went back over there, the, uh, the Iranian international. Uh, so plenty of attacking talent in that team oh yeah uh that's going to give lazio some trouble so so we'll see so that's our european roundup we've given you predictions we've given you europe we've given you what happened in match week five so what's left who won calcio twitter richard it's only appropriate that you lead off with a tweet about you <laughs> so conceited aren't i uh yes. yeah uh co-host some other podcast jack mangan uh put a tweet out if you don't know i have a shaka podcast and so he says this is me during the trade deadline i give you malik tao i'll take malik tiao so i'm the one behind all the deals i swear i didn't i wasn't behind the deal for getting him to milan but uh many people think so so i can't begrudge him for that all right so mcm underscore x19 uh let's see here Eric, Eric Antone delivered the greatest oh. speech in <laughs> football history. And it's, then yeah. Cyril saying, what's this guy saying? Everyone's looking at him. Nedved smirking. Oh, meanwhile, Nedved thinking about last night. It's, and this so. video that came out recently of him dancing with girls, you know, basically topless. You know, they had bras and obviously, but... Nedved doing he's a single man in his 50s doing what he wants to do and so that's why he's still thinking about last night apparently <laughs> okay all right we can that's okay that's all right i think we i think we've had we've got i mean that was good we've got standards though i, yeah. I think we, we've got a lot of nominees here so i, I I'll, I'll put it ahead now but i don't think it's going to be there for long oh all right this one was nominated by the uh, Milan Weekly Podcast, guys. And so it says, uh, it's a Ask Vinny and Steve from uh, Ala Destra. And it says, uh, with just two days left, Stevie, do you believe? Also, I think I figured out how Maldini decides who to sign next. 
Vrank. <laughs> bowl of vegetable soup or whatever it is. So is it Vrank or is it Vranks? I think it's Vrank, but I don't know. Don't I, it, I okay. do not know. Aster Vrank. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, at Don Pepino, he has been a past winner. Alexis Salamaker's highlights against us. Well, the best <laughs> skills like and him. passes. <laughs> it looks like him, too. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, Alexis. Christoph oh. Waltz could play him in the movie. So. <laughs> oh, God. He would probably win an Oscar or something for it. So He probably will. He wins Oscars for just about everything he plays, doesn't he? Yeah. All <laughs> so. right. This one uh, we nominated. This came from uh, a guy pretending to be Fabrizio Romano. It says, Milan Screenyard to PSG. Here we go. Full agreement completed with Inter. In this, after non-contracts are being prepared right now, 74 million fixed fees. Uh, but anyway, everyone believe this. Look how many people commented on this. Hey, 124 likes. This is not the real Fabrizio Romano. So many people were faked out by this. And everyone thought, oh Screenyard is gone on deadline day. But no, it was not him. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So whoever this was, uh, at okay, yeah, the, the Fabrizio wrote with a zero. Yep. Uh, okay, all right. Still not still not there yet. Well, let's go to this one at Syria underscore E-N, Liga Syria, our English uh, social media. DV9 free kick versus Roma. You're just a cheap fucking knockoff. DV9 free kick versus Spezia. Oh, no, no, no. I'm the upgrade. <laughs> Obviously, the two goals that Vlahovic scored with penalty kicks almost like a couple days apart, almost yep. identical. Uh, wonderful kicks, both of them. Uh, but yep. I can't believe they used the uh, drop in the F-bomb, uh, Lega Serie But again, their English isn't that great. And so they probably used Google Translate and didn't even think about it. Didn't so. even think about it. All right. All right. Another nomination from Milan Weekly Podcast. This is uh, Paris Nitsch, of course. He goes, there's a crowd waiting outside Inter's headquarters to welcome a Cherubi. It's the Milan fans celebrating. <laughs> 100%. There's the leader. There it is. So, all right. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, moving on. We've got at ASR Kurbasud 1927. Monza officially take their team picture after the closure of their transfer <laughs> market. Everyone and the mother. Yep, just about. <laughs> uh, you nominated the same one. All right, this is uh, you nominated this. It's Juve Twitter every day. <laughs> <laughs> You've got people <laughs> fighting. You got dancing. break dancing. <laughs> Someone trying to break the fight up, and then he gives up. He decides I'm going to go laugh at the guy break dancing. Now I'm going to try to break up the fight. Oh. Uh, Oh, that's good. That's I think that's our leader in the clubhouse right yes. now. Yes, yes. <laughs> At Minota 23. Oh. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Saturnian, not to be outdone by Perisnich. Uh Took about four years, but finally a good assist from Hakan for Milan. Yeah, a hockey assist. A hockey assist. <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. Nice. All right. Uh, moving on. It's... Uh, Troll football, Rafa Leal against Interdefense. And just doing all kinds of moves, going around the eh, doing anything he wants, just keep going over. All right. Not bad. Just getting over the fence any way he wants. Yep. Uh all right. Not bad from troll football. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh our friend Violismo. He'll <laughs> gold <laughs> Just on that of it's falling over. <laughs> He's so good at this. <laughs> So good. 
I still got I I I, I still got the uh, the Juve Twitter one at the top. This one's good though. That's good though. That's good. All right. Uh, this comes from Grego. He's a past winner. Uh, the cops escorting Barella out of the San Siro. Arrest. Okay, let me start this over. Let me start this over. <laughs> garbage. Arrest. Uh, police take it away garbage oh i like it oh you love to see it all right uh moving on um at aldon underscore zz replying to saturnian uh it looks like we've got the tifo where it's adjusted and whose face is that chalanolu chalanolu's face okay crying crying um (laughs) That was after Saturnian said Chalanolu played his 10th Milan Derby and said, yeah, he's only won once. Can't thank Inter enough for taking that worthless bum <laughs> off our hands. <laughs> so. Oh, let's see. This one is uh, they nominated Teo Hernandez for uh, smacking uh, Chalanolu in the back of the head. You'll see it right here coming up. And they're talking trash to each other, but <laughs> good old Teo, the instigator. Gotta love it. All right, moving on. Art Morelli, Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur paid sixty million for this baller. <laughs> First touch launches the ball down the field. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> El primo grande toco. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I, I still got. I still got U of A Twitter in the lead. All right, Uncle Sharma, Gianluca Mancini versus Udinese, Captain Futuro. Uh, will they show the video? I don't know if they're showing the video. No, they're not showing the video. <laughs> no, but it's basically this guy getting assaulted. I don't know. He likes it. You had, you had to be there, huh? Yeah, yeah, you had to be there. <laughs> no, if we can't get the video up, we can't do it. Okay, so... Um, all right, so at CMO33, I mean, we won deservedly yesterday, but Inter missing key players like Dybala and Bramer make it a bit unfair. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. All right. Still got Juve Twitter ahead, but that's good. Uh, Saturnion with Dumfries entering the pitch versus Bayern and Cena Hernandez on his side. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me play this. We can't. Ah! <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to have flashbacks. Oh my... oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, let's see. Bobby has nominated Napoleon Eastmo. What's Napoleon Eastmo up to now? Hey, that little boy is playing three games at once. Checkmate. 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 Dang. <laughs> I like when he's trying to stop Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi. Checkmate. Uh, all of them beat him. Oh, <laughs> all right. Gillis nominated this one. It's from uh, Daniel Lucci. Uh, he says, um, Hi, friends. Just so you know exactly who to blame for this disaster match, Mr. Mush, and it's this guy down here, Anthony, says, Mbappe is overrated. Yeah. Yeah. Two <laughs> goals today. <laughs> Oops. Oops. All right. Bobby's nominated B underscore Young's. I'm on my young highlights. God. Oh, 
I nominated Henry Ball, Henry Bell, excuse me, on this one. Uh, works with the, the Far From Vesuvius gang. And he goes, uh, so let me get the original tweet. The original tweet, Liverpool came out and said, fans should not con- congregate in public places and should avoid becoming isolated areas away from the port of the city. Talking about Napoli. Uh, we strongly recommend you avoid the city center. If you choose to visit, please be aware that you may be targeted for theft, robbery, or assault. Ridiculous comment um, coming from Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, but So Henry Bell, who lives out there, he says, uh, here's me venturing into this terrifying city all alone. Oh, look, it's so beautiful. Oh, so scary. Oh, <laughs> trees. Oh, they got trees. That's scary. Oh, look, it's a mountain. Oh, that's scary. That's scary. Oh, look, it's beautiful. Oh, this is... Uh... It's like, come on. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon Ismo once again, uh, you know, he's good with the one-liners. Juve fan celebrating that Juve only lost 2-1. <laughs> I like reading the post-match interview. <laughs> I like that one, too. That's like uh, me as a Notre Dame fan celebrating that we only lost to Ohio State 21-10. to Right. <laughs> All right, what do we got here? We, um, didn't get our, we didn't get our ass kicked. All right. Bayern Munich really think it's going to be easy against my inter... There's a video I'm telling you about. Water my neck, you can ski on it. You can't pose. Fear and think it will be an easy win against Inter. That's good. That's good. Oh, my gosh. The, uh, <laughs> what at the end gets it? So that video of Walking Korea, where is he? That's the one, the same one that Uncle Sharma was trying to use. <laughs> All right, so it's down to Hoyoa in 81 and is it Juventus Minoro 23? Right? Yeah. Uh, where's the other one? Um, there it is, Minoro 23. Let's look at that one again. Did I pass it? Juve Twitter it. every day now. Why am I not seeing this? Uh, it was from September 2nd. September. Okay, that's why I didn't go back far enough. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Juve Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the accompanying music helps. Yes. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. <laughs> That's good. And then uh, the last one, the last entry. Uh... <laughs> that's the winner for me oh. I, I think we got i think we've got a winner i think it's <laughs> yeah it's it's the mark a little guy just <laughs> and a jekko corpse <laughs> oh that's good. And, you know, just 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 for the hype before the game. So, yeah, I saw this earlier today and I thought it was funny. But, yeah, now that I've looked at it again, this is great. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. The DeMarco one's even the best yeah, part. The little, the little guy. So, oh, my gosh. That's, that's hilarious. Uh, oh, man. All right. So, I'll go ahead and make this the winner for Who Won Couch on Twitter this week. While I do that, why don't you go ahead and say something to the people? Yeah, uh, shout out to those I know Ali Oxen Free, um, Akbar, and several others. I, I, Apex Crafter, they were all. Uh, oh, we try, I try to do a podcast on Sunday, trying to recap the Mercato about who won, who lost in the top eight, the eight sisters, if you will. Um, overall, came. I, I don't remember what I said anymore. It was so long ago, but the, my audio was going in and out. So hopefully tonight my audio is better. But uh, maybe we'll do a recap next week or something like that on the Mercato and how it ended with all the top eight teams. But uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you to those who tried to listen anyway. I tried to listen. I'm like, oh my god. 
what the hell happened to my audio, but it happens. Yeah. Great stuff. Okay, so we've done that. I do want to give Menorah 23 the honorable mention award. <laughs> uh, where is it? Menorah 23, yeah, that was funny. But that compilation video for Byron thinking about uh, Inter, Hadanovich, the old man. <laughs> that might have been Hadanovich. Thank you, Anthony. Good to know. Oh, yep. all right. All right. Well, we have uh, we have spent a lot of time here, so we're going to put a bow on this edition of City yeah. Sit Down. Oh, man. Uh, World Football Index's podcast for uh, your culture to go, but check out worldfootballindex.com for content on just about any league in the world. City so, yeah, Sit Down has our, we have our own channel on uh Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is Sidia Sit Down. Uh, check us out at Sidia Sit Down on Twitter and Instagram. If you're watching this for the first time on YouTube, please subscribe. Uh, click that notification button so that you are uh, in the know for when we are back live on the air whenever we release videos because we do that too. So, um, and then again, the, uh, the the handles there at Sidia Sit Down Twitter. Instagram, uh, go there with your comments, questions, ideas, things to talk about for future podcasts. Uh, we'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, I think that's it, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, uh, enjoy the remaining games in Europe. We've got games this weekend again. We'll be back with you on Sunday night. Back like in it. our normal, back in our normal time. So, I'm with you. I'm good. All righty. Well, we will, uh, we will see you then. Until then, for Richard and Frank, as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.